Hello and welcome to the conversation. I'm Heil Russell. Hi, and I'm uh, Alter Mentality, but some people call me Courtney because that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. Second week in a row, second episode in a row. And we are continuing our discussion. We are chatting even more about Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. But this time, we're focusing on Donkey Kong Adventure. The DLC... I was going to say expansion. It is, it is almost like a sequel within the game itself. Or like a... It's a 1.5. Yeah, like a closely related spinoff in, in the actual, like bread of the game itself it's like this little meaty donkey kong chunk in this mm. mario sandwich and yeah it's long overdue i already gave my attempt at an explanation and an apology last time so i'm not going to do that again i'm not going to go over why no it- no tell the tell the 30 minute costco story again <laughs> I'm not going to go over why it took the world's biggest Donkey Kong podcast four years to discuss what is basically the biggest Donkey Kong game since Tropical Freeze. I'm not going to do that. I did that. So go back and listen to the previous episode to get filled in. And honestly, you should just listen to that beforehand as well, because we really do set the scene for this episode. We... Laid the groundwork for you to understand Kingdom Battle so that you may better understand the Donkey Kong adventure within. And, uh, you know, last time I drank watermelon flavored cider in honor of uh, Donkey Kong 64 composer Grant Kirkhope coming back to Donkey Kong, and it was terrible. So this week I decided to go something different to go with something thematically relevant to Donkey Kong Adventure. So I, I bought something called Land Shark Lager, uh, because there's Ooh. there's a lot of sharks in Donkey Kong Adventure. I think this is a Jimmy Buffett knockoff of Corona. And I didn't realize that until I brought it home and I started sipping it and I was like, yeah, I hate this. Oh, this is even worse than a watermelon cider. Oh God. Jimmy Buffett, why? Mmm. Anyway, yeah, I'll be I'll be grimacing while I uh, swig that down. But while I, uh, oh god, <laughs> while I do that, I'm, I'm sorry that your drinks for these episodes have been so disappointing. Yeah, I I need to but, be able to you know, afford the better. games weren't. I need to be able to afford better drinks while I do my podcast, and that's where Patreon comes in handy support my drinking habits by going to patreon.com forward slash dk vine so i can get better dwanks for my podcasting and therefore i can be a better podcast host because i don't know how good this episode is going to be based off of uh, jimmy buffett's land shark island style lager what the fuck is that's that's our that's (laughs) the way of saying we're ripping off corona but it's not Corona. It's legally distinct from Corona. I hate Corona. I I hate Land Shark Lager. <laughs> uh, the real coronavirus is what's in this bottle. So anyway, uh, DK Vines on Patreon. <laughs> Help me out. What, what's going on in the world of alter mentality? Uh, why, why, don't, why don't you plug your wares yet again? 
My rare wares, you might say. Mm. Well, I think last time I forgot to just mention my Twitter, which is just probably the best place to go because it is like my hub. It has yeah. links to all my other stuff. So just twitter.com slash altermentality. And uh, I stream, I make a webcomic, I post random art when I have time to draw. So that's really just the best place you can catch up with me. Um, I streamed DK Adventure to revisit it and refresh myself this past week, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and next, I'm going to actually be playing... Um, so this got me... A lot of people were talking about Rayman when I was playing this game, so mm -hmm. I haven't really played much Rayman like I talked about last week, so I'm going to play Rayman 2 soon because um, that's a game that's always intrigued me. It's like It seems like it kind of has a bit of that rare in 64 spirit, though I've never played it, so... I'll be playing that soon. But yeah, that's, you know, where all my stuff is. Check out my Twitter. And the only thing I really know of Rayman, besides the Rabbids connection, is I think there was an ad for a Rayman game back in the day that said, this is Rayman, this is Ray. And it just had like this balding middle-aged man in like yeah. his underwear who was Ray. And, and, and Wasn't there a Rayman ad where he was like at a urinal, or is that something else? Oh, there were a lot of video it, game yeah, ads. Yeah, magazine at ads. They they were they were something else. Yeah. So I don't know, but that's that's all I can contribute to Rayman <laughs> discussion. So it's probably for the best that we're not going to be talking about Rayman after this very sentence. Sorry, Rayman. <laughs> so, Oops, I said it. Oops. <laughs> as I said. As I said, Donkey Kong Adventure is what we're discussing, and it's long overdue. Um, now, I have discussed it here on The Conversation before, before it was actually released. We did a conversation when it was announced, and we also discussed it during E3 2018, uh, like right before it was released. They had this big E3 rollout for it. And that was where I actually got to meet Davide Soliani very briefly, as well as I got Grant Kirkhope to unblock DK Vine on Twitter. So it was a very <laughs> monumental week for me. But, you know, my, my initial feelings towards Donkey Kong Adventure when it was announced, I wasn't hostile towards it, um, especially after hearing so many good things about the core of Mario versus Rab or Mario plus Rabbits. I said versus. God. See, you're doing it. Mario Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. You know, I heard I heard good things about it. So I guess my feelings about Donkey Kong Adventure were more ambivalence. I I don't know. I guess I think my interest peaked higher than the average Donkey Kong cameo game would normally be. Like th this wasn't like Mario Party tier like I, I was definitely interested in what i saw but i wasn't full-on hardcore like super smash brothers ultimate hype either and even that you know super smash brothers ultimate i wasn't hyped about that when it was first announced either it wasn't until that e3 where i actually got to see it and play it that i was like all right this is pretty solid but yeah i i don't know i i feel like i was kind of neutral when it was announced i i was more intrigued than not but i can't say i was necessarily excited about it mm -hmm. How, what, what were your thoughts 
back in what was it January or or February of 2018? Yeah, so actually I was trying to remember when it was announced officially and I thought it was February because I remember it being, you know, early on in the year and I sort of have this memory of it being winter still, but I went and looked it up and it was actually January 11th. So that's kind of crazy. Um so I was already a known huge Mario plus Rabbids fan from mm-hmm. having played through the base game and uh I would have never guessed that the DLC was going to be Donkey Kong themed. Like my best guess was that it was going to be like Wario and Waluigi. Um, I thought, you know, they'd make some pretty good characters for a game like this. So we knew that DLC was coming, but we didn't know what it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so they actually announced this during a direct mini apparently. Um, and it was one of those early morning ones. So I actually slept through it cause it was, one of the ones that they have it like, uh, you know, I'm on the West Coast and it was at like 7 a.m. My, my time or something. Yeah. So uh, so I just woke up uh, to a ton of messages because apparently not only did they announce this DLC during this direct, but that's also when they announced that they were porting Tropical Freeze to the Switch that's and right. with new funky mode. So it was a real DK direct. Yeah, I think I had a dentist appointment or something that morning. So I missed it as well. I was in the chair getting, you know, my my teeth buffed and when i when i got out i was like shit like the biggest donkey kong news dump of the decade has happened while i've been away from my keyboard like of course of course so and also like i was planning on taking another week or two off from the conversation we were like mid-season and so i had to bring back the conversation (laughs) early that that season so um I mean, it all worked out, but yeah, it, it, 2018 was a huge year for us, for it our sure fandom, was. for Rare fandom, for Donkey Kong fandom. Just a lot was happening in 2018, but yeah, it, it kicked off definitely uh, as, a, as an omen early, mid-January, and I think Tropical Freeze for Switch got most of my attention uh, and and then this one I, we did as a second episode that season. We were like, all right, now let's discuss this other thing, uh, which you know is kind of in hindsight a little bit ludicrous because while Tropical Freeze for Switch has been great, it's basically the same game with a little extra funky in it, and this is basically an entirely new Donkey Kong adventure. And it, it just yeah, you might the, even call it Donkey Kong Adventure. You might, you might do that. That would be good marketing. <laughs> yeah, but but I think just because it is a DLC add on to a another game, a Mario Rabbits crossover, you know, it doesn't get the attention it deserves, and that includes from DK Vine. So yeah, hopefully we will rectify, or we will begin to rectify that on this episode. Now I, I do want to say. We will not be going super heavy into spoiler territory because, one, this is technically four years late, yes, but our first impressions. So we're, we, we never like go that deep in our first impressions. But two, I also want people to experience it. I, I don't want to give away everything in our discussion. We will do you know, a full-on deep dive one day on this but for now, I really do think there are a lot of Donkey Kong fans out there who haven't played this, who maybe have written it off, 
And I think if you can get your brain around the tactical style gameplay of Kingdom Battle, then Donkey Kong Adventure will be right up your alley. If you are a Donkey Kong fan and you can get your your head into this game, then this is basically the stopgap that you need to get you to the next Donkey Kong game. It's it's full of goodness and I don't think it's readily apparent just from the trailers and for, from what you might have heard, I think getting into it and it, it'll just feel right to you. It's one of those things where you kind of have to experience it for yourself. Yeah, like it doesn't feel like you're playing a Mario spinoff game, some kind of sports game, and there's just like a Donkey Kong field or court or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, they just kind of slap some jungle theming on this and... I guess this is nominally DK's thing. It really feels like it embodies the spirit and is a real DK game. And that's that's a great point because the E3 2018 presentation for it, right before the DLCs launched, you know, they brought out Grant Kirkhope. He did the little thing. Uh, I think the Ubisoft or Ubisoft, I've been pronouncing it wrong, apparently. The Ubisoft uh, presentation, they had, you know, Grant Kirkhope come out and they they did the the full-on presentation, but I I guess it put me off in one way. And I might have discussed this on a conversation back then, but for me, it felt like the DLC's world was, in some ways, a reinvention of Donkey Kong's aesthetics of his look yet again. Because the, the initial trailers and that extended look at E3, it just seemed like, to me, at the time, they were rebuilding the look of Donkey Kong's world from the ground up. Like, the crabs and the gulls and, and the parrots and birds and whatever, they all just looked visually inconsistent with even what Retro did and, of course, with what Rare did. But I guess I was just grumpy as, as a Donkey Kong fan, and I guess it was just the old hyper-defensive... I don't know how I feel about this buyout era kind of cynicism creeping into my brain. Just, you know, especially at this time when it felt uncertain what Donkey Kong's future was going to be. I think this is before the EPD rumors really kicked in. This is before I really heard anything. This is before K. Rule got into Smash or was announced for Smash. So it was just this period of uncertainty. And I was like, oh, they're doing this Donkey Kong thing, but it doesn't look like any Donkey Kong game I know. Mm, I'm going to be cynical about it. Mm, I'm not going to. But yeah, I I was never that hostile towards it. I just remember talking with Mitchell um, in Koreatown when we were, you know, camped at E3. And just was like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. It just doesn't, just doesn't read as completely Donkey Kong to me. It's just kind of generic tropical environments. And this was off base. And I can say that now having played it. I was just judging a book by its cover, which you're not supposed to do, apparently. Apparently that's that's something they tell you when you're young. That's a no-no. But I, I was letting old fears get the best of me and actually playing it. Um, well, playing it after the core adventure uh, just the the 
standard nominal kingdom battle, it feels like a pretty seamless integration of the aesthetics of Donkey Kong through that prism, the prism of kingdom battle. It <sighs> Retro's Donkey Kong Country games didn't feel completely in sync with what came before, but when they brought David Wise back for Tropical Freeze, that really helped kind of smooth those rough edges over, so it still felt like Donkey Kong. And I think that's what this does as well. Having Grant Kirkhope back, um, it, it's, it's definitely, it definitely feels authentically Donkey Kong once you actually get into it. And honestly, um, this is the funniest that I think the Donkey Kong series has been since probably Donkey Kong Country 2. I think mm-hmm. this Donkey Kong Adventure is the sharpest written Donkey Kong game since Donkey Kong Country 2. And in, in dialogue, I'm including like DKC3 and DK64 in there because I don't feel like either one was really funny. Um, th- this, this is the sharp snark that the series was initially known for, but they kind of quickly got away from. It's still known for that snark, but the snark left even during the Rare era. But Donkey Kong Adventure has it. Like, it, it was cracking me up. The mm-hmm. the Beepo dialogue, and especially Rabbit Cranky, and just the interplay between the two characters. It was great. Yeah, and that is, of course, something that it carries over from the main game, but uh, maybe feels a little more at home in oh, yes. this universe. I think it, it was kind of more surprising, especially for me as somebody who has not played much in the way of Mario RPGs, except for Mario RPG, Super Mario RPG back in the day. But here it just feels like, oh, wow, this feels like Lee Loveday is writing it. This this feels completely uninhibited. It, it, yeah. It, it, it was great. Um, I was guffawing, guffawing right. even, like just laughing out loud on the floor with my ass out. What What is it? What is it? I, I, <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah, because like I talked about the Mario RPGs and like how I think that they're very funny and everything, mm-hmm. but they have a different style of humor for the most part. They're not really so self-referential and snarky and that kind of thing. Like they occasionally break the fourth wall in some minor instances and stuff, but it's it's not really like this style of humor, if you know what I mean, where it's just kind of the descriptions of the items can just be this unhinged off the wall, just completely making something up because it's just funnier to make it up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd say like the humor of the Mario RPGs tended to be a little more like situational based or just kind of character based with like the, the way the characters can be wacky and zany and stuff like that. Um But yeah, so something that I wanted to say before we get into the meat of everything is that, um, especially just replaying it recently, it really reinforces what I had already felt for years, which is that I think Mario plus Rabbids DK adventure is basically perfect. It's, uh, (laughs) you know, I I really like the main game, but I think the main game can feel like a little, like maybe the difficulty curve can be a little... Here and there, it, it kind of like loads a bunch of stuff like at the end. The end can feel really long. Um, you know, there's 
there's some puzzles in the main game that I am not very fond of that gate you. Like, there's this one in the second area, uh, the Sherbert Desert, where you have to, like, push this block back and forth a lot. Because the block basically acts as a switch, and you just kind of have to, like... It's got, like, a binary state, but you have to, like, push it around, like, five times just to activate the state on or off. Um, so, like, some of the puzzles I'm not super fond of, but they they really, like... I I feel like streamlined everything and and made this perfect little package, which is Donkey Kong Adventure, and I just think it's great. And um, so much so that I normally find myself instinctively referring to Donkey Kong Adventure as a game in itself, even though it is technically just DLC to another game, but it, it really feels like its own thing, where they were able to take some of the ideas from their first attempt at this whole concept and refine them and polish them and make something special and that makes me really excited for the sequel because it seems like they're really learning as they go you know like they're they're getting better and taking this wacky idea of a mario rabbits tactical game <laughs> and just continually iterating on it and making it better and better yeah and i think to to that point of it feeling like its own game i think that's something we're going to be coming back to because we've already said it like three times now so I feel like it's going to be a repeating mantra during this episode where, yeah, this is kind of its own thing within a package for another thing. It, it It's odd. It's odd to kind of get in the mindset of, well, what is this? Is it, is it its own thing? Is it just a, just a like further four worlds, but with cosmetic changes it's 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 a hard one to figure out, but I lean more towards it being its own thing, at least spiritually, you know? Um, because, yeah, it playing this, even after playing the main adventure, it feels different. It feels like a true Donkey Kong game. It just does it doesn't just feel like here's the Mario stuff, but we switched out the coins for bananas, et cetera, et cetera. It just, it, it, it feels authentically Donkey Kong. And, um, I guess I wasn't expecting that. And that's something that wasn't really, or couldn't have been properly communicated pre-release. It's just something you have to experience for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess to get into it, first we have to explain the story. The story of Donkey Kong Adventure. Now, what's interesting about this, and it's actually fascinating because I hadn't really thought about it until we were breaking this down, but as you mentioned last episode, this can be played at any point after Chapter 1 of the main game, the Ancient Gardens, after you fight Rabbit Kong and defeat him in the standard kingdom battle, you can then play Donkey Kong Adventure, assuming you've purchased it or downloaded it or whatever. Um, so the story can take place at any time after the events at Ancient Gardens. So that means this could technically take place after the main adventure or it could take place in the middle of the main adventure. Mm-hmm. It's this weird little side story and they've they seem to arranged it so like the characters that are necessary to advance the story um are kind of evergreen 
at any point in the game. I hadn't really thought about it, but like the the instigating thing is like Bowser Jr. and Spawny are are watching Rabbit Kong, and I was like, well, but would Ra- Bowser Jr. still be with Spawny? I was like, oh, I guess he could be. I guess he could be after the, the game, or even and- yeah, they could just be friends now, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it it kind of fascinates me how you can interpret this several different ways depending on where you are in the game. And it, it just, it, it's odd to have sort of this nebulous influx canon. That's a sort of choose your own adventure, but it, it's all canon. Just, just your own preference. <laughs> uh, that that's fun. But yeah, the, like this, this whole opening narrative is, I, th- it, it, is it wordless? Is it all just like acted out without any narration? Yeah. Uh, so basically, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was actually just thinking about this earlier, but in the whole DLC, is Beepo the only person who talks? Because, like, in the main game, you run into Toad and Toadette, and the Phantom says there's a few NPCs that talk, Mm -hmm. but it's mostly Beepo. But in the DLC, because, like, DK doesn't talk, Rabid Cranky just says nonsense, gibberish, uh, you know, Rabid Kong doesn't talk, I... I don't think anyone talks. It's it's mostly a completely wordless game in general, which is kind of cool. Yeah, Beepo Beepo is the only I think Beepo is the only one in Donkey Kong Adventure who talks. Pretty sure. But you would know more yeah. than I would because you've played it more than I have. Yeah, and so I just played it recently and it wasn't something I was consciously trying to pick up on, but now that I look back on it, I you know, I it's not like it was a problem cuz I didn't even notice it until I was writing this out and talking about how it was wordless. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait a second, most of the game is wordless, and that didn't even really occur to me. But that's that's pretty cool. So, yeah, this this entire story and, like, all of the cutscenes in the game, they are pretty much just visually communicated. And the animation in this game is so good that their expressions and everything, you can tell what's going on, even though no one's just, like, straight up explaining it to you. Um so do you want to kind of go over the story, or do you want me to do it? Or? I I feel like you have to because honestly, the part okay. with the uh, the rabbits with the with the newsies caps, <laughs> yeah. baffle me. Okay. I don't I don't understand. I don't really get it either. Okay, and by the way, I couldn't. I didn't know what newsboy caps were called. I think I knew, but I forgot. So originally, when I wrote that out, like in the notes, I just put old man hats and i was like there, there's a name for these so i just looked up old man hat and it gave me newsboy cap and i was like oh, i knew exactly what i was looking for <laughs> so anyway all right so let me set the scene so when you load up donkey kong adventure um the first thing you see is that we are sort of looking through bowser jr's eyes he's got his little binoculars out and he's watching the stuff that's happening uh, so he's in his little clown car with Spawny. And by the way, we didn't really talk about Spawny last episode. Like no, we, didn't we didn't really explain who Spawny is. So Spawny is a rabid. He's the rabid who put on the Supermerge headset in the Genius Girls room. And he actually managed to fuse himself with it. So he's he is the headset now, basically. He's just sort of the personification of it. And, and, and this isn't in, something that's undone. Mm-hmm. He's like stuck like that forever. <laughs> yeah. So basically, Spawny can merge things. He's just, and the the f- interesting thing is that he, in the process of making himself into this 
merging creature kind of made himself into this like defenseless little child as well. He's basically this scared little kid, and when he gets scared, he he zaps stuff and he turns it into you know merges stuff together. Right. Um. So Spawny's cute. I love Spawny. He's my precious child. I'll protect him forever. There's like escort missions with Spawny, and I don't even mind, even though I normally hate escort missions because I want to protect him. Uh, but anyway, so we got Bowser Jr. and Spawny, and um, they're looking at Rapid Kong. So Rapid Kong has just been defeated, or maybe was defeated a while back, depends on when you decide to play this. Yeah. And uh, so he's Rapid Kong is near the washing machine, the time traveling, dimension traveling washing machine that took the rabbits to the Mario world. And so Rabbit Kong looks kind of sad, and, you know, he's being egged on by these two rabbits wearing the old man hats, the newsboy caps. So I don't know what these rabbits' deal is. I don't know if they're from some other rabbits game or if they were just made up. I really don't know why they're wearing these hats and, like, why they're egging on Rabbit Kong. Um, I, I, so, so the fact that they're wearing old man hats, as you so eloquently called them... And the fact that the the pattern of a newsy cap is very similar to the vest that Cranky Kong wears, I I I, I was like trying to figure out how do they lead to the origin of Rabid Cranky, and they don't. They're unrelated. But yeah. that's where I, my brain kept getting tripped up for like the first five times I watched this intro, because <laughs> then I would have to like pull it up on YouTube and rewatch it because I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, it would absolutely make sense to assume that, but they yeah. end up being turned into something completely different. Yeah. Um, anyway, once you get, once you so, get past that assumption, mm-hmm. it, it, things start falling into place a lot more. It was just hard for me. It was mm-hmm. hard for me to get past it. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, they these two newsy rabbits have like a bunch of beach toys with them. They've got like some inflatable sharks. Mm-hmm. And so what I think is happening is that they are simply just too short to reach the controls of the washing machine and they're trying to get the tall guy to do it which is something i'm intimately familiar with being that i'm four foot ten i can't reach anything and i always have to ask people to do stuff for me um you know when i'm at the store i have to ask people to grab something off the top shelf etc so that's what i see going on here is i think these rabbits just want to go on vacation to the beach they've got all their beach stuff and they're like hey rabbit kong you're really tall can you like you know, change the dials on the washing machine so we can go travel to the beach. Yeah. Um, so Rabbit Kong is like messing with it, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. And he ends up shocking himself. Um, and he's just getting zapped and electrocuted. And the washing machine just totally overloads and opens up and sucks him into it. And the two newsy rabbits and then a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's just loud and noisy and they're all yelling because they're rabbits and that's what rabbits do. And Spawny is watching, he just gets scared from all the noise, and so he zaps his headset face straight at the washing machine and just causes all, you know, like, basically everything inside is going to get all merged now, jumbled up, just into a bunch of chaos. Um, And then, you know, the washing machine door closes, and it's just kind of wiggling around, it's overloading still. And then Mario and his friends show up. His friends being Luigi and Rabid Luigi and Pete, uh, Rabid Peach at the moment. Yeah, I- um, if you play this after the main adventure, I like this idea that he's just hanging out with the Rabid versions of 
his friends now. Like, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're just all a click. And, I mean, I guess Sparks of Hope does, you know, further push that idea forward. But it's it just amusing to me that now, like... You know, you know me. I, I am. I am always <laughs> thinking the worst of Mario because Cranky's put ideas in my head, and so I'm like, of course, Mario would just want to hang out with other versions of himself. He's so mm-hmm. vain. He probably thinks this podcast is about him. But uh, so they come along and they see that the washing machine is acting up, and they're like, "Oh, what's going on?" But uh, Rabid Peach is not paying attention. She's looking at her phone. And as she walks by, we can see that the battery on her phone is really low. And she's got her plug out, and she's going to go <laughs> plug it into the washing machine, so, which has a plug on it. So so this is this is almost like a rare, like, piss take of a, like, explanation. Like, oh, uh, we don't fucking care. Let's just get from point A to point B and make it yeah. as stupid as possible. <laughs> and, and, it's just, and I like when she's going to plug it in to the little charger, and Mario's like, no! No! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so she's, she's like not even looking. (laughs) She's not even looking at it. She's like jabbing it all around and she keeps missing um, to plug it in. But uh, so that gives like Beepo time to rush up towards her and try to stop her. Um, But, you know, this, the second she plugs it in is the second that Beepo reaches her. And that's just like the last straw for the washing machine. So it just completely overloads. Beepo's there. And just zaps them all somewhere else. And uh, Mario, Luigi, and Rabbit Luigi are left behind. And at first, Rabbit Luigi just thinks this is all funny, so he's like clapping. And then like the other two look at him, and he's like, "Oh, I guess this. I guess this isn't funny." Actually. I guess this is a bad thing, right? <laughs> um. So here is the big, the big thing, the big crux, where they are traveling to the place they're going to meet Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. And it gives us a little black screen, and that screen says, somewhere in another dimension. Yeah. So, so there you have it. <laughs> this, this is controversial uh, for some people, and this is the greatest thing ever for other people. And I guess, I guess where you fall on this divide, it, it might show your age uh, when, when you were brought up in your understanding of how nintendo's cosmology works um the 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 universe the multiverse of nintendo um so if you were alive or cognizant or super fan before yoshi's island uh your understanding of mario lore was that mario fell through some sort of metaphorical rabbit hole a la alice into the mushroom kingdom um you know, Brooklyn native, uh, the Mario brothers, and they, you know, th- this was what was portrayed in a lot of the Western non-game media, like uh, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, the beloved Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, they, they're from Brooklyn, they fall into the Mushroom Kingdom. And so the the, the understanding was, well, okay, uh, that happened, the events happened in Mario Brothers into Super Mario Brothers, them going into the Mushroom Kingdom. So before that, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., that, that, that took place beforehand, that took place same world as Brooklyn, that took place on Earth, the other dimension. Donkey Kong Island is not in the same dimension as the Mushroom Kingdom. The Mushroom Kingdom is some alternate 
timeline or some pocket dimension or some other realm entirely. Don't know how you want to break it down, but and Yoshi's Island came along and said, no, Mario and Luigi were born in uh, the, the universe, the Mushroom Kingdom, the Mushroom World, and I still argue you can make both things work. Yes, they were born. In, they were born in the Mushroom World, and then uh, the rivalry with Wario, they were childhood rivals, remember, uh, got so heated that his Mushroom Kingdom parents hid him and Luigi away in another dimension in Brooklyn where an Italian-American family adopted him, gave him the name Mario and Luigi because maybe they were named something else entirely. I know they had the M&L caps, but maybe, you know, maybe it, was, it stood for something else or maybe they were that was their names. I don't know. But anyway, that's where they got the accents from. That's where they got the Italian heritage from. And then when they became plumbers... And they were investigating some weird turtle shenanigans in the sewers. They fell through the uh, the rabbit hole. And then they were like, oh, we're, we're here. And then they later find out that that's actually where they were born. And it was always their destiny to return. They're star children, after all. So uh, anyway, I, I think they could both work, right? But Yeah, I mean, that's basically what I think, too. Because we don't have any knowledge of Mario and Luigi in the Mushroom Kingdom as, like, kids or teenagers. It's just when they were babies and when they were adults. So yeah. I, I like the idea that for whatever reason, and, and I just see it as, like, even just baby Bowser and Komet kept menacing them as children, and their parents were like, well, we've got to send them away Moses style. So you Yeah, know, it's exactly. I have always said. I mean, maybe that's what the M stands for. Yeah, Moses and... Uh, I don't. I don't know. Some other, <laughs> yeah, some other biblical I, figure with an L. I don't know. I was. I was trying to like skim my knowledge of the Old Testament there, and I was like, no, I got nothing. Lot. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I I know if if you're of a younger generation, you're always going to think that you know that Brooklyn stuff was nonsense. It it was it was. As nonsensical as Congo Bongo Island would be for Heil. And I get that. I understand that. I respect that even. But I think that when Rare was breaking down Donkey Kong's world, they weren't thinking in terms of the Mushroom Kingdom. And when they, you know, later expanded it into the Rare Archipelago, I I, I just don't think it works in the Mushroom Kingdom or the Mushroom World. I don't. But I, you know, they're... They're linked. You just go through a uh, a warp pipe. You go back and forth. Um, it's just as easy as jumping down that pipe to get to the two destinations. So it doesn't really matter that they're in separate dimensions because they're still linked and you can still visit either one anytime. So big deal. But I know this is yeah. controversial for some and that this, uh, this is, tr- you know, people try to hand wave this away and... I'm not here to relitigate these arguments, but I will say that the somewhere in another dimension little title card was the best thing. That would have been the best thing that happened in 2018 had it not been for the launch of Sea of Thieves and K. Roll in Super mm-hmm. Smash Brothers Ultimate. Those were the best things, but this was a solid third in my book. <laughs> yeah. You and me are on the same page with this fanon so that's good and honestly like going into another dimension 
having it be separate from the Mushroom Kingdom shenanigans, it does make this feel like authentically Donkey Kong. Like, at this point, like, Mario, Luigi, the other characters, they don't appear in the rest of this story. They're they're in the intro, and then it's no longer their story. It's Donkey Kong's story from here on out. Rabbit Peach does come along, and I think out of all the characters they could have brought into this from the Mario adventure, that was the correct choice. Yeah. Like, I, I love Rabbit Luigi. I think he's delightful. But I think Rabbit Peach, the way she's portrayed, the, the contrast with Rabbit Cranky is just delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they definitely found the right comedic pairing to be sidekicks to Donkey Kong, along with Beepo, who's just exasperated the entire time by Rabbit Cranky, mostly. But... <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? So they arrive in the new dimension. Yes. And, so uh, yeah. they're just zooming through the air. The washing machine's just flying through the air. And Rabid Peach is holding on to Beepo and holding on to the washing machine. And she's screaming. And then part of the washing machine that they're on, like the whole back part, just detaches. And they get flung off and they land on a beach. But the rest of the washing machine keeps going and it keeps flying off to land somewhere far away. And so we don't know what's going to happen with that just yet. But then, you know, when Rabid, Peach, and Beepo sort of come to on the beach, they realize that they are surrounded by these, like, hostile rabbits who... We can talk about them in a minute, but anyway, there's there's just, like, this whole tribe of rabbits there on the beach. Um, and, and these rabbits for the most part, comprise archetypes that we've seen in the main game. So these are Ziggies. They're basically the just grunts, the, the most basic type of enemy rabbits. Tropical um, Ziggies. Yeah, tropical Ziggies. And Pete, uh, Rabbit Peach realizes she doesn't have her blaster. The, they've taken it and they're, like, using it to roast some stuff. They're mm-hmm. using it to, like, you know, roast some food. And so she's defenseless. And she's being surrounded. But then, who should show up to save the day? It's Donkey Kong. He just grabs the people attacking her and just chucks them. Just throws them away. And then, someone else shows up, and that is Rabid Cranky, who (laughs) slowly walks over. It's just the comedic timing of it. (laughs) It reminds me of the Donkey Kong 64 ending, where Cranky mm-hmm. is very slowly entering <laughs> yes. the Banana Horde cave and Donkey Kong falls asleep <laughs> by yes. the time he gets there. Yes. So that is that kind of... And I said Donkey Kong 64 isn't as funny as this game because I feel like the comedic high point for the series was DKC2. Uh, but there were funny bits in DK64. It, it was just a lot more slapsticky and broad than mm-hmm. um, than before. Yeah, I think... I think- at least Beepo does fall asleep waiting for Rabbit Cranky to walk over. He gets angry. I know he, he, like, he has this very exasperated look. I can't remember. Yeah, I remember. think he gets angry and then falls asleep. I can't remember, though. Um, I watched I, this earlier today to write this description, but I can't quite remember. So so my question is, though, there were already, like, a bunch of other rabbits here on this island. Yes. And, like, they didn't all get sucked into the washing machine. There's, like, hundreds of them. So, did they just get here separately somehow? What do you think? So, Beepo 
when, when people talks to Donkey Kong and Rabbit Cranky and is like introducing himself, he makes this little comment that doesn't make a lot of sense on the surface, but I think if you examine it closely, it can you can kind of piece piece together what he means where he says i recognize you two from the basement mm-hmm. um you must have landed here instead and so i think genius girl had some donkey kong merchandise so when he says i recognize you two he recognizes donkey kong from any donkey kong merchandise she had which mm-hmm. maybe led to the creation of rabbit kong um yeah. when spawny was spawning all over the place but um rabbit cranky was was spawned from some sort of cranky kong merch which we will get into precisely what donkey kong or cranky kong merch i think led to the creation of rabbit cranky but uh he he landed on uh in the rare archipelago maybe donkey kong island will discuss that as well maybe so he landed like he, he went to the dimension i guess he was supposed to be or where a anything coded to Cranky Kong's um, genetic makeup would land, and that would be Donkey Kong Island. I'm not sure why Rabid Kong landed in the Mushroom Kingdom, except maybe Donkey Kong's frequent appearances there in cameo games kind of skewed the uh, the the makeup of the universe. I don't know, but yeah, Cranky, who has never been in a cameo game, Rabid Cranky did land on what might be Donkey Kong Island. And I assume the tropical zingies and everyone else, they've been there for a while now. Maybe Mm -hmm. whatever stuff Genius Girl had around, like some of that wound up in the Rare Archipelago. And so the the ziggies have been here for a while. Um, And maybe Donkey Kong's been trying to like clean them up during the duration of the time we've been spending in the Mushroom Kingdom. So maybe that's why he's already on a scene here. He's, like, in full-on Donkey Kong mode. Like, uh, got another hostile Mm -hmm. group of invaders on my island. Get the fuck out. Wait, who are you? Yeah. And um, Jeff says, so what I'm going to say is convoluted, and most people might not get it, but I think of the washing machine trip similar to the spaceship through a wormhole that happens in Tim Burton's remake of Planet of the Apes. And so there's a time travel element, and when Peach and Beepo land, actually a lot of time and a lot of rabbit activity has already happened before they got there. Yeah, I, I could see that. And then uh, the Lincoln Memorial is actually Cranky Kong. <laughs> Right, I Jeff? haven't seen that, but I think I get what you mean. That, and that, also... that was the that was the twist ending in Tim Burton's mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes, which pissed people off. But uh, I was gonna say that like Rabid Kong, like you said, winding up in the Mario world instead of maybe where he's really meant to be could be <clears throat> part of the reason that he seems like he just he just seems like a really put upon character oh, as far no. as no, you know, I got he it. doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know why he wound up in the Mushroom Kingdom and Rabbit Cranky wound up on Donkey Kong Island. The merchandise that fused with the Rabbit that became Rabbit Kong was Mario-branded Donkey Kong merchandise, while the Cranky merchandise was Donkey Kong-branded. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, that's exactly it. Boom! All right. Nice. <laughs> so. I'm glad that, you know, the... The logic of the dimensions runs on like brand standards. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's like how in most uh, 
most Mario merchandise, they have to use Mario branded Donkey Kong renders. And, and on Donkey Kong merchandise, they can only use Donkey Kong branded Donkey Kong renders. <laughs> it's exactly that kind of logic, except mm-hmm. on a, in a, in a, on a cosmic real scale, on a real in universe cosmic scale. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> this this is all just like the first cutscene, by the way. Um, yeah. Anyway, we won't be but, getting but into now, all the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. By the way, we just have to really lay the groundwork so you understand the rest of what we talk about. Right. So we actually don't have too much else of the story that we want to give away because, you know, we just are kind of setting it up and then you should play the game yourself and find out how it goes. But so they do a few like tutorial type battles where you get to know how DK moves and, you know, Rabid Cranky's different tool set. And then you run into Rabid Kong. He's here um, and he is no longer this kind of pathetic goofball he is angry and he is strong and he sees rabid peach and remembers what she did pushing that little block so that he would fall all the way down the tower (laughs) and uh, he basically has a traumatic flashback and he is mad and he just slams her right into the dirt right into the sand just completely down in there Mm -hmm. and it's actually interesting. He slams her so hard that you start the next battle. She has like barely any health. So you have to like heal yourself. Um, and after that battle, Beepo's like, whoa, what's going on? How did Rabid Kong get so strong all of a sudden? And uh, wouldn't you know it, Rabid Cranky just happens to know. So he tells his long story, which is, you know, just him speaking in gibberish. But luckily, Beepo and the others can understand it. And so here's the picture that... Uh, rabid cranky paints so basically when rabid kong uh, landed and yeah again this i don't know how this is supposed to have like just happened because we just saw that the you know washing machine was rocketing off so i don't maybe like beepo and rabid peach were out cold on the beach for like a really long time yeah i mean uh as cameron said in relation to jeff's tim burton planet of the apes comment uh, that would track with all the elaborate history Beepo espouses that would be really odd to have happened overnight, assuming he wasn't just making it up. So just like the incursion into the Mushroom Kingdom seemed to affect the the dimension of the Mushroom Kingdom and kind of change some things, I think the same happened here where it might have caused ripples throughout time. And it, yeah. just, it just created this long-standing kind of uh, status quo that for us happened instantaneously, but for the characters, it's it's been, like, long in place. Mm-hmm. So, basically, the washing machine landed in sort of this temple courtyard thing um, in front of this empty pool. And all of the water from the washing machine spilled out into this pool. And it's just this glitchy, messed up water that Spawny zapped and... Yeah, you know, Rabid Kong spills out too. He's he's a nice, clean, fresh boy because he was just washed in the washing machine. <laughs> um, and so he comes out, and there's all of these other little. It's it's the tropical Ziggies again. There's all of these other little rabbits there already running around, and he's sort of pissed at the whole situation. And one of the Ziggies throws a banana at him, and it falls into the water, 
and when he picks it up out of the water, it is this glitchy banana, and he realizes that when he eats it, it makes him stronger. And so these are the so-called bad bananas, which are sort of evil bananas, you might say. You might call them bad bananas. And they're kind of the force that is powering Rabbit Kong and making him so uncannily strong. And you'll encounter them throughout the game. The other enemies are kind of transporting them constantly to Rabbit Kong, and you have to destroy hordes of them that you find along the way. Um, so it's a little it's a little bit of a twist because normally DK just collects bananas, but this time he sometimes has to destroy bananas. Yeah, the the water that like uh, infected um, everything from the washing machine. It's kind of a way to bring in the mega bug stuff into the Donkey Kong Adventure, independent of how far you've gotten in the main adventure um mm-hmm. so it's kind of like the essence of the mega bug without bringing in the mega bug yeah it's not really present here in the way it is in the main game where it's this big black hole thing in the sky yeah but it you know so it does have a presence um that kind of theme of this glitchy wrongness does carry over into this game in some cool ways yeah, yeah, I, I like that it's a little bit more subtle. The stakes aren't as high necessarily as it is in the main game, but it still has, I guess, significant consequences for Donkey Kong and his world. So it's it just they, you know, they don't just repeat the stakes like the, that happened in the main adventure, and it doesn't negate anything that might happen there. And like, it, it, they can't do that because it has to take place at any point after the first chapter. So it's just yeah. clever. It's just clever the little workarounds they do narratively. Yeah, and so I think that's a good amount of setup. We probably don't want to really give too much else away, um, but you know, I just wanted to say that this story, I think, is pretty special because I was not expecting it to be cute and like sweet. It it's it really is I don't know. It it made me feel some things that I was just expecting more humor and I had some like aw moments and I did not expect that out of rabbits really. But Well yeah, like I <laughs> I've said it's the like funniest I think Donkey Kong's been in over twenty five years, but it's also sweet and wholesome too. It's it's not it, it's snarky, but it's not cynically cold and soulless. Yeah, we were talking last week about how the original Raving Rabbids was such this creepy, unsettling, disgusting game, and it, it's just this is a completely different world. Like the rabbits are funny, but. You know, they're they're friendly and they're cute and they're capable of growth and they're they can be sweet and make friends with each other. And this game actually shows it happening. Yeah, it like it, it's kind of, as I said, taking some of the broadest aspects of all of these Nintendo characters, whether they be Mario or Donkey Kong characters And just magnifying that to a ridiculous degree, but still finding the essential likable traits of each one. So it's it's a delicate balancing act they're pulling off here. 
but it never gets too broad or stupid. And I think all of the rabid characters are likable. Um, especially Peach, Luigi, and Cranky. Mm-hmm. So before we talk about Rabbit Cranky, I do have one question in relation to the story and I guess the broader setting. Because they never specifically say this. And I want to get your take. Does this take place on Donkey Kong Island? Or is this supposed to be another island that's nearby? Um in the rare archipelago, but not Donkey Kong Island. Um, I see it as taking place, like, sort of maybe on... You know how, like, Donkey Kong 64, there's DK Island, but then you have the islands that are really close to them, just like that little one with the tree on it, and then the Banana Fairy Island. um, I kind of see it as maybe taking place mostly in sort of outcropping islands like that, so... The early areas are maybe bordering islands that are very, very close. But I think once you get into the jungle, I, I think that you can be implied to have made it to Donkey Kong Island. And sort of it, it starts out maybe in neighboring little islands and moves to DK Island itself. So you think it's the DK Isles, though, still yeah. like legally Donkey Kong Island. It just maybe not all on the main island with the big head or or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, I could see that. Especially, and here's why, the DK Isles medley from DK64 gets remixed by Grant Kirkhope. And I, I feel like that is the biggest indicator that, hey, this is supposed to be the DK Isles because we wouldn't be getting the medley if it wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm on board with that. Yeah, because you are out on like a reef and but I, I think the jungle is probably the Congo jungle. I don't know. I, I you can make the argument that it's just another little island off Donkey Kong Island. And, you know, you could just invent thousands of those throughout the years to just massage over any discrepancies with geography. But yeah, I, I think it's the DK Isles at the very least. I know they don't specifically ever mention it or name drop it. And I know some uh, fan wikis are like very careful to say, like, we don't know what this island is. It's an unnamed island. But we here at DK Vine, we are often reckless with our assertions when it comes to continuity. And in this case, I'm going to be reckless and say it's the DK Isles at the very least. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad we're in agreement. <laughs> so, <gasps> Rabid Cranky, the breakout character of Donkey Kong Adventure. Well, one of the only new characters of Donkey Kong Adventure sans a couple bosses, but Rabid Cranky is utterly fantastic. I don't have any gripes with Rabid Cranky. It, he he's hilarious. Which is funny because he has a lot of gripes with everyone else. So this is the crankiest that Cranky has been. Sense rare, <laughs> but it's not even cranky that gets to be cranky. Uh, th- this is this is classic cranky. This is just it's, it's not just him though. It's the way Beepo reacts to him and interacts with him that makes this character work. Because Rabbit Cranky has no dialogue. It's all just Banjo Kazooie like gibberish, and it's it's all through animation. 
and Beepo's reaction to him. And it works. It you 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 just you're never left questioning what Rabbit Cranky's about. Be- mm-hmm. They they're able to pull it off, and it's it's fantastic. Um, and like what really like sells it early on is when Beepo's already just done with this old man. He's like, "You're just gonna slow us down." Uh, why don't you just stay here? You, you know, like, thank you for your help. You're a great fighter, but, you know, we don't really need you. And so he says, you'll slow us down. So Rabbit Cranky grabs Beepo and turns him into, like, a Segway. <laughs> uh, and and uh, he, like, he, like, flattens his ears and uses them as uh, pedals or, or just footholds. And... Yeah, he he just rides around on Beepo, and it, it's it's just the best because that is such a cranky move. That is such a cranky, a vintage cranky Kong move. <laughs> um, and I like that he, where like Beepo says, "I'd rather we got you a walking frame or electric scooter, but if this beats things along, so be it." And initially, I took that line. I mistook it uh, that Beepo was saying "walking frame" as kind of a fourth wall breaking complaint that cranky used to have about not not ha- not having enough <laughs> frames of animation uh but it's it's not that he's talking about the little like uh little cage like thing that elderly people or those like physical therapy or just somebody who needs help getting around what they like walk around on a walking frame mm-hmm. but yeah I, I mistook that as like oh my god they're breaking the fourth wall in a mario <laughs> branded game this is great but no, it's not that it's not that um but yeah, um, um, Rabbit Cranky is uh, is perfection. Like I said, like entirely mute except for some grumbles. But the animation and just the personality shines through. And I wonder though how odd it must be for Donkey Kong to have to team up with a rabbit who's had his personality overwritten to be that of his grandfather. That raised him as a son. Like, well, like I, I don't think we ever really get into Donkey Kong's head and what he's thinking here. Like, you're you're just like Cranky, but you're a rabbit. This is weird. Yeah. Um, I imagine that, like, it must be confusing. But at the same time, it's it's probably nice that he, he's, like, used to it because he's used to how Cranky is. But he doesn't actually have to have the pressures that cranky puts on him because it's not really his dad slash grandpa so he doesn't really have to worry about it and he can just kind of like treat rabid cranky with amusement i really want one day for rabid cranky to meet cranky cranky yes because i imagine they would hate each maybe they would get along famously but i would imagine (laughs) it would be i was gonna say like uh oil and water but i guess it would be like oil and oil but just yeah it's interesting that rabid cranky is probably the rabid who is the closest to their counterpart like yeah. he's not really significantly different from regular cranky and we talked about that last week with how this sort of might just imply that that's just you know maybe that's just how people are when they're old i don't know or maybe it's just like cranky's natural personality is is so strong that even if you isolate just a bit of it it's always just going to be the same 
or you know maybe this is just if this is spawned or, or created like i suggested via like a vintage piece of cranky merchandise then then maybe this would be like um all of the character growth that cranky's gone on over the years where he like softened post wrinkly's death and you know he, he he lightened up a little bit and He's just been stripped of that because that's not this cranky. Yeah. This this is a vintage piece of cranky merchandise from the nineties, o- overriding a rabid, and <laughs> so they're just yeah. it's just all id, right? It's just none of none of the none of the warmth. Rabid cranky thinks that rabid wrinkly is still alive. He doesn't oh, know yet. That's depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, it's a shame they didn't make any wrinkly Kong merchandise because. Uh, then Donkey Kong could have gotten his his mom slash grandmom back in a in a way in a fashion. That's that's weird. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, as Jeff points out, Rabid Cranky is the only Rabid whose like normal character is not in the game. Yeah, and that that although that's not really true. Um, it's true of the playable ones, but I don't want to spoil anything for the main game. There are some exceptions to that rule. That are enemies, but yeah, but yeah, I, for, from a playable perspective, that's that's right. Crank like the real cranky doesn't make even a cameo in this, and in fact, like the the only the only way he's referenced is rabid cranky, right? So yeah, it, it, it's an interesting choice. I think it works, um, and I I like that of all the Donkey Kong characters. Like they could have gone with rabid Diddy or rabid funky but they went with rabid cranky and i think i think that speaks volumes because we know how much miyamoto himself loves cranky kong which is funny to me it's always been funny to me when retro revealed how much miyamoto loves cranky because that's his original donkey kong like kind of perverted i mean not perverted in the traditional sense but like just askewed to be this like bitter old man uh, but Miyamoto loves that take So it's it, it just amusing to me that his baby, his original video game baby, was mutated like this by Rare, and Miyamoto just couldn't get enough of it and told Retro, well, you got to bring back Cranky. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, apparently Davide Soliani got the same memo, or at least uh, was able to ascertain as much, and was like, yeah, we'll do Rabbit Cranky. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about like the other options they could have gone with, um, and it really just feels like having a rabid version of Cranky is the best like dynamic with the other two characters, and it's just sort of the most unique. Um, because I feel like if you had, say, rabid Diddy, I feel like he would be maybe a little of the same energy as rabid Luigi. Like he's yeah. kind of he'd be a little more like childish, um, perhaps, and. If you had Rabid Funky, like he might be a little more like Rabid Mario, where he's just kind of this laid back. He's got swagger, um, but there's not another Rabbit in the game who has this personality that Rabbit Cranky has. Yeah, and it's it's also I think perfect because, like I said on the last episode, the rabbits allow you to kind of almost accentuate the negatives of. of certain characters and that was my fear with rabid kong initially was it it just kind of making a mockery out of donkey kong how dare they uh, upend that sacred cow but 
with Rabbit Cranky, he's a character you want to celebrate the negativity of. That's what makes him work. <laughs> and so that's what makes Rabbit Cranky such a thrill is is they're able to do that with Cranky again where they've really gotten away from that post-rare. Uh, so so I love it. I love it. And also, yeah. uh, you, you brought up here in the show notes, and I hadn't considered this really uh, until I read this. But yeah, Rabbit Cranky was like a normal like probably younger rabbit before he was grafted with cranky kong's je ne sais quoi um and and then he was turned into an old man so did he like lose like several decades of his life (laughs) or what like yeah i don't know how rabbits work they're just kind of weird malleable beings i guess uh so i don't know if he is just sort of physically old now, but his lifespan hasn't been shortened or anything. I don't know if rabbits are immortal. They might be, for all I know. It's like when, but, when uh, Matt Smith regenerated into Peter Capaldi. But yeah, he's, I guess, like, normally rabbits are just sort of this ageless blank slate, and then he became an old man with old man bones and he's just got to deal with that now but he yeah. seems to be enjoying himself i was gonna make a joke like yeah at one point he like has to go crack his back but i'm like i do that 70 times a day so yes <laughs> it's not so bad i have this i have this little thing now where i lay on lay on it and it like cracks my lower back and i just lay on Ooh. it for 20 minutes and it, it's just wonderful it's that sounds the, great it's the best part of my day <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like I said, Beepo makes a reference to seeing him in the basement. And I, I've explained what that means in relation to Donkey Kong, or what I think it means in relation to Donkey Kong. But here's my idea for Rabbit Cranky. So, like I said, Genius Girl must have had some sort of cranky merchandise that melted with a rabbit. And I'm thinking it's either the 1999 Toy Sight figure, action figure of Cranky, the one that had a wooden cane and a hairy beard. Or it might be the plastic-headed plush from around... It was either 97... Was, I think it was 98. Um, they, they released these plush Nintendo collectibles. You could get them through uh, Nintendo Power's catalog. Or I think sometimes stores had them. But uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a Cranky Kong plush that looks a lot like Rabbit Cranky. And I like to think... That this is what Genius Girl had in her dimension that Spawny merged with a rabbit, creating Rabbit Cranky. Because that's just the funniest origin story in my head. And and yes, this was, uh, I guess as Donkey Kong branded as something could be, it had the Rare logo on the tag. It, it was Nintendo Collectibles, Cranky Kong, and then the Rareware logo was at the very bottom. So yeah, that's why he would be sent to the DK Isles. Mhm. 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 Man, I'm jealous of Genius Girl. She's got the coolest merch. I want a Cranky Kong merch. I don't have any of that. I I have the Toy Sight action figure and I have the little uh Jack specific like small like what 3 inch, 4 inch, 3 I don't know how many inches it is. Cranky Kong figure that they released around Tropical Freeze. They they've released the Dixie and Diddy and Donkey. And then they stopped, and then the whole line just became Mario. But anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got the Dixie from that set. 
It's a great Dixie, right here, but I wish yeah. I wish we would have a full scale Dixie action figure. Yeah, anyway, there's not enough Dixie merch. That's why there's not a rabid Dixie. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, they, I was gonna say like that's why they they were limited with what rabid Kongs there could be. It's like, well, you, you pretty much have just a, a very scant selection to choose. I guess you could do rabid Kitty Kong because they had the Kitty Kong action figure, but. That would that would be funny to do rabbit kitty finally bring kitty back after all these years but it's it's the rabbit version of it. <laughs> uh th- there is yeah. there, there's just so much in their way of rich beepo interactions with rabbit cranky but there is a line of dialogue I do want to single out and it's near the beginning but I I love it. Uh Beepo says thank you but we'll take it from here. I'm sure you have your hands full or waving your cane angrily at teenagers <laughs> because that's that i don't know that's just something that they i feel like they wouldn't make that joke in a donkey kong game nowadays but yeah. but that's that's yeah. just such classic quintessential cranky kong energy little he's a little bit of grandpa simpson he's a little bit more of a lucid grandpa simpson from from off of the simpsons so I, yeah. I appreciated that. I appreciated all he's, of Beepo's... He's yelling at the clouds for sure. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate all of Beepo's little observations. Um, Beepo's still terrific. Beepo's still one of my favorite characters. Um, favorite Mario characters, I guess, throughout this expanded DLC. So, we've talked a lot about Rabid Cranky, and I want to talk a little bit about Rabid Kong. And yes. it's kind of hard to talk too much about him without spoiling things i think i i think we can at least say that without spoiling too much it's it's pretty obvious that rabid kong is sort of the main antagonist of this adventure of this campaign um he's kind of elevated from that first world boss of kingdom battle into being the primary instigator of Donkey Kong Adventure, which of course makes complete sense. Yeah, so this is interesting because it positions DKS essentially facing himself. Uh, so, yeah. you know, the main antagonist of the main game wasn't like Rabid Mario or something, um, but now we've got DK facing off against this sort of twisted, weird version of himself as an antagonist, and I think that's pretty interesting. It's like um, it's like uh it's like mm-hmm. Superman three when uh Superman, you know, like separates into a good and a bad Superman. Like the bad Superman yeah. goes <laughs> to the bar and drinks. It's that, you know, gif gif of, of him taking shots at the bar and then, you know, they, they fight each other. And that's that's what this is, sort of. It it's it's Donkey Kong from the Mario series, Toothy Grin Jackass Donkey Kong versus uh, the heroic protagonist Donkey Kong from off the Donkey Kong series. It's great. Yeah, and um, Rabbit Kong, like I said before, when he was in the Mario universe, he felt like he didn't really belong there. As the first world boss, he's a little bit intimidating, but he's actually kind of pathetic in a lot of ways. Like, if you make his bananas disappear, he'll just be sobbing and crying on the ground. But in this, he is empowered. He feels like he's in the place where he belongs. He's got his bad bananas and he is a lot more badass and cool. And I 
like him a lot more in this. He's very interesting as a villain and the directions that that goes some pretty surprising ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I liked his arc. Um, he, he's definitely more than just a one dimensional villain. And I think, you know, just building off of his appearance, fighting Mario and friends, and then going into this, he, he's got a meaty story. Um, and it, it's it, it's a story you can track from beginning to end and oh, hopefully not the end because I hope, you know, I hope the character has a future. So I, I don't know if he'll be in Sparks of Hope. Uh, that would be interesting because then we would have a real argument about whether or not that makes it DKU. Uh, I think that would be some uncharted territory. What that means for the Waluigi role when we have something as convoluted as this. But... Um, <laughs> I just yeah. imagine, since, like, Sparks of Hope is a space story, maybe at the end it'll show people across the universe celebrating, just like uh, the Star Wars special editions when they cut in people celebrating when the Death Star was blown up. So, like, maybe we'll see Rabid Kong, like, partying it up on Rabbit Kong, Kong, Kong at, Island. R- R- Rabid Kong looks at the campfire and he sees Rabbit Wrinkly smiling <laughs> at him from the great beyond. Oh, gosh. Um, but, yeah, so we talked about the rabbits being representing some kind of negative or at least more like primal or primitive aspect of their main character's personalities. Uh-huh. So uh, here we get to see Rabbit Kong sort of representing DK's strength and his leadership, but in a negative way because he comes in and he establishes himself over all of these weaker little rabbits that are running around and starts bossing them around. So, you know, it's like, what if instead of a, you know, chill, benevolent leader of the Kongs. We had, you know, this big, strong figure, and he was more of a despot. Yeah, it's like the, you know, the the underlying thing of Jungle Beat was that, you know, Jungle uh, Jungle Beat was Donkey Kong going into what we call the faraway lands, and like, yeah, he he's like beating up these antagonist Kongs who who like taken over but it's just like i i'm taking this land by force and it's like what 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 if donkey kong actually had ill intention what what if he wasn't just this chill dude who lived in the treehouse and liked eating bananas and hanging out at the beach all day what if what if he was uh what if he actually had designs for power and and he he craved more of it like what what if his wires were crossed there. And that's kind of what you get with rabbit Kong here. It's it's like, what? Yeah. What, what, what would that mean for Donkey Kong Island or the rare archipelago? And you kind of, you kind of get to see that kind of dark, um, what if kind of story for Donkey Kong without kind of tainting any aspect of Donkey Kong himself. Cause it's not Donkey Kong. It's just this, this kind of uh, idea of him imprinted on another character. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it works. It 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 works as like a a different type of Donkey Kong villain than we've seen. It's not just K rule redux. It's not just Cactus King or Ghastly King. <laughs> it's not just Lord Frederick or Tiki Tong. It it's its own interesting thing that's not just repeating motifs or ideas that we've seen in other Donkey Kong games. Yeah, and the best part about it is that Rabid Kong, um, he 
is malleable. As we've been talking about all of these rabbits, they were just transformed into these alternate versions of themselves and they're still growing. They're still figuring themselves out. So, you know, Rabbit Kong, is he going to stay evil or is does he have room to change and grow? You can play the game yourself and find out. I, I would say that even without getting into how the end of the adventure plays out, any of his actions in this DLC can be hand waved away. He's he's under he's under influence by the dark uh, mega bug energy. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, would he really be doing that if he wasn't corrupted? If his brain wasn't kind of crosswired? Yeah, and aside from the dark mega bug energy, he's also just very angry about what happened. Oh and yeah, he's sort of on a quest for revenge, but you know he he can come to terms with that. He doesn't have to be full of vengeance forever. I do wish we would have gotten more like insight into how he recovered from that because mm-hmm. he he fell he fell pretty far, and it it seemed. I mean, it, they didn't like outright say it was fatal. But it, the implication was that that can't be good, right? Falling from that great of a height. Mario was definitely well, concerned about it. Yeah, like I said, I think rabbits are kind of not... They're they're cartoony beings. They're functionally immortal. I think they can survive pretty much anything. I know. I just I just wish he would have had like a sprained <laughs> wrist at the very least. Something. <laughs> All right, well... While this is basically, I mean, it's, it's not really a clean break from Donkey Kong. It is and it isn't. It, it's kind of, it, it's its own thing, but it feels very resonant and familiar once you're playing it. But there are references to Donkey Kong and the Donkey Kong series throughout this that kind of helps tie it together. And I appreciate that it does fully swap out those Mario elements for Donkey Kong, right? Cause, cause they could have just gone a lazy route and it was like, well, we can just have coins and we can just have the same aesthetics, whatever. I mean, Donkey Kong and Mario are linked. So nobody's going to really care. I mean, it's fine. It's just DLC. But no, they went the extra mile and and they got rid of all of the Mario elements from this to make it feel like a Donkey Kong game. And like like I mentioned, coins are now bananas. That's obvious. It, it reminds me of how in Mario Kart 8 when you race in Hyrule, like the the, mm-hmm. the coins become rupees. Um and I was like, well, why didn't they do that for Donkey Kong's track? Now I'm mad. Uh, but they do it here. They do it here. Uh, the the pipes um, are like hollow wooden logs. Uh, the, the little rabid-shaped cannons are now like rabid barrel cannons. Um, it's great. Um, yeah, I, I, ju- the, I just... The pipes are a bunch of different stuff. There's, like, banana pipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coral reef pipes. There's a I bunch of different materials coral, that they're I love, made out of. I love the coral reef pipes. Yeah, those those are... Um, not sure how that works like, in relation to actual nature, but sure, I'll, I'll accept it. Uh, 
And each of the pipes makes a different sound effect too when you like yeah. pop out of it. I thought that was really cool. The bananas make this squishy noise, and the wooden ones make this really satisfying thunk noise. Yeah, that's. I think that's why I went to the wooden ones first because that thunk really stuck with oh, it's me. So good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the most surprising thing that came back from the Donkey Kong series, something I never thought I would see again. Donkey Kong 64's Hellavines. Yes, Hellavines are in Donkey Kong Adventure. So, for those of you who don't remember what Hellavines are, because I don't even think Hellavines are the official terminology. I think that's DK Vine's name for it that we've just used since 1999. Hellavines are the way they worked out vines in a in a 3d platformer on the n64 they are vines that levitate in midair and they have like a little propeller on top and they just spin perpetually in place floating up and down that's what hella vines are kind of stupid really (laughs) and kind of something that they would never really have to bring back in any donkey kong game especially of the modern vintage where i'm sure there are better more realistic ways to interpret that but they brought back hellavines courtney and that was that was such a giddy moment for me i probably saw it i jumped up out of my chair i did a little run around the room you know fist pumping in the air like rocky balboa it's a good day they do they're like dandelions here but it is otherwise the same thing and i believe it was said at some point that that was like the direct inspiration Mm. um there there was i i remember seeing a bunch of dev interviews and things like that when there was that e3 showcase and they did specifically mention being inspired heavily by dk64 so I can't remember if they said outright that those vines were supposed to be based on the ones in DK64, but although they do look visually a little different, they are functionally the exact same thing. So I imagine that they were. It's always great for Donkey Kong 64 to be referenced because it does in some ways feel like the black sheep of the series. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe Jungle Beat is more of the black sheep these days, but... I, I feel like DK64 is only vaguely or, or broadly referenced at times. And and obviously, like, the country games are what you go back to. But, yeah, th- th- this game, out of all of them, feels like a true spiritual successor to Donkey Kong 64. And, of course, a lo- large part of that is Grant Kirkhope. But just those little touches like that. The, like the Hellavines, um, it's much appreciated. Yeah. So, speaking of DK64... Uh-oh. I just have, like, a, a little fan theory. So, part of the... Um, one of the areas that you visit, and this is a late-game area, so, you know, I don't want to talk too much about how you wind up there or anything, but there is sort of this underground dungeon-y temple area uh-huh. that you're in. And uh, I personally think it could be Angry Aztec or at least closely related to it, a nearby outcropping of it or a similar culture. Because um, 
there's a lot of imagery in this area that looks like the uh, feathered serpent of Aztec mythology, Quetzalcoatl. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like straight up feathered serpent Aztec art looking heads and uh, like kind of a, a bigger sculpture of it, of this sort of feathered serpent being fighting Rabid Kong. And so it's it's like a very sort of Aztec aesthetic and since you go up through the jungle to get there and, you know, in DK64, you go through jungle japes, and then you get to angry Aztec. I kind of feel like I really doubt this was intentional, but to, to me, it just feels like we could sort of fan wink it to say that this could be an underground area of angry Aztec. Well, look, the key thing you have to realize about being a Donkey Kong fan is that 90% of these connections are never intentional. But somehow, somehow through sheer dumb, blind luck, nothing's ever contradicted. Things usually sync up in a harmonious way where it looks like there's been a master plan for years between all these different studios. And and so, yeah, I, I, could, I could see that. Absolutely. Um... I, I could see it being like the underground like passages that lead into Angry Aztec. Uh and I, I've even worked out where Angry Aztec probably is on Donkey Kong Island, uh, especially in relation to DK King of Swing. And uh, I, I I basically got it in my head, but um just trying to figure out the concept of Angry Aztec itself would probably require at least a five-part conversation where every episode would be four hours because Angry Aztec doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> so, yeah. like, uh, I, I think it, it's the most uh, incongruous part of Donkey Kong lore. It's the biggest black eye Donkey Kong 64 inflicted on the geography and, and just general lore of Donkey Kong Island. I have no idea what the team was thinking. I don't even think they knew what they were thinking because they had an Aztec-themed world in the desert. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like they... I've always felt like they just didn't really do their research on that one. Oh, no. They just made this this sort of generic ancient culture level, and then they tried to think of the first, um, like, alliterative name they could come up with, so they just started with the A's, and they were like, Aztecs? Angry Aztec, let's go. They I feel were like, like they, an ancient culture. I feel, like they, I feel like they w- really wanted to do an Egyptian world, but Banjo-Kazooie got to it first with Gobi's Valley, and Super Mario yeah. 64 uh, already, you know, went over that same ground, so they were like, well, shit. Well, but they were so married to the desert that they they, they only superficially changed things. Uh, of course, then Banjo-Tooie had Mayhem Temple, and hell, Conqueror's Pocket Tales earlier that year had the Aztec Temple as well. And of course, as Dustin and I have recently discussed on the conversation, there's the whole weird thing in Saberwolf GBA where there's the Temple of Emotep, where they say it's actually half Mayan, half Egyptian. So I have a lot of theories about how this all <laughs> shakes out. But again, that would require a five-part conversation series. So we won't bore you with that here, but I, I, I could see your fan wank here and accept it broadly that, yeah, it's, it might be the same culture, same ancient culture that gave us angry Aztec. Thank you. Thank you for humoring me. <laughs> no, I mean, after 
I've been humored for 10 years on this podcast by all of my co-hosts, and sometimes not humored by them, I, I can at least pay it forward. So, the the puzzle pieces, um, they they sure do look like the Retro Studios puzzle pieces, right? Well, actually, if you look at the main symbol for them, like when you're looking at your file and it shows you how many puzzle pieces you have, or even uh-huh. I think just the main one that pops up on the UI, it just looks like a jiggy. I mean, well, I, I don't know if they were just trying to make a... I don't know if this was a little sly reference because Grant Kirkhope was the composer or something, but there's a lot of puzzle piece, you know, shapes out there they could have gone with, and it is the one that is the jiggy one. It's it's hard to say because, yeah, the puzzle pieces in Retro's games don't look like jiggies, but we know that Retro was directly inspired by Banjo-Kazooie for the puzzle pieces, so there's a lot of incestuous thinking when it comes to the puzzle pieces i i yeah maybe maybe yeah, i don't the know puzzle pieces in the game itself that you collect are all sorts of different shapes but yeah. the ui symbol for them is just the jiggy well shape. And, and i think there sometimes the shapes you encounter in the in the game itself they do really look like the retro style puzzle pieces so i don't know i don't know but we'll, we'll say this is maybe 25% of a reference, either to Banjo-Kazooie or Retro's Donkey Kong games. I, it's, it's hard because puzzle pieces are one of those things where it's such a such an established thing outside of the DKU that it's hard to say, oh, that's a reference when maybe it's not. But you're right, like the general shape does look like a jiggy I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, the color, the color is more the retro style, but yeah, yeah. But the the biggest reference I think that most people think of when they think of Donkey Kong references in Donkey Kong Adventure, especially the novelty of it, because they get so seldom referenced these days are the pieces of weaponry that are inspired by the five original animal buddies from Donkey Kong Country. And before we talk about those, I I do need to talk about two others. Because I need to pretend that the Megalodon reference in in its uh, eponymous blaster is actually a Sea of Thieves connective thread. So, uh, the, the Megalodon Blaster, the description says, Need a weapon with teeth? Take a bite out of your foe's ambitions with this prehistoric terror from the murkiest depths of our nightmares. And if, if you squint, it looks like the, the, the Blaster looks like the Megalodon from Sea of Thieves. Like the basic one. If you yeah, squint. If you squint. It does. Um... There's also a Kraken blaster called the Smackin' Kraken. And uh, the description for that is time to get Kraken with this legendary beast of a blaster that strikes fear in the hearts of your foes and 18th century fishermen alike. So, you know. I like to think it's a reference to the Kraken from Sea of Thieves. Uh, It's all DKU. All right, so... The Animal Buddies, though, for real. 
we we've got the Rambi themed blaster. It's called the Horn Nosed Needler, and it it's just it's just one of the the standard blasters, but with Rambi's head. And do you want to read some of these? Sure. Okay. okay. This one says, supercharge your chances for victory with this officially licensed Rambi merchandise available at finer battle HQs everywhere. Yeah, the the officially licensed line, that, that gets a lot of usage in these descriptions. It's like the animal buddies have marketing deals. To like... Yeah. <laughs> and I think odd. one of them, yeah, one of them even specifically mentions what they got paid, but we'll get to that one soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Squawks. <laughs> Squawks gets a weapon. Oh, so so Donkey Kong has these kind of banana boomerangs, but they're called boanarangs. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a multiple level pun here. So I I thought going into the DLC playing it again, I was like, oh yeah, I remember these are called banana rings because that makes sense. They're bananas that are boomerangs. But no, they had to get the rabid pun in there as well, even though DK himself is not a rabid. But they are called Buanana Rings. Buanana uh, so Rings. Okay. Buanana Rings. It's really a mouthful. Um, <laughs> I think they should have just left it at Banana Ring, but you know, yeah. that's just me. Yeah. So, so, so we got this kind of phallic-looking squawks here. He's well, yeah. Sort of. A- I, we should we should talk <laughs> about the Buanana Rings really quick because. The standard one is, is a banana. Ring. Well, what, what? What? Am I saying it wrong? <laughs> I I don't. I feel like you're losing a syllable in there. But, okay, Buanana. but it's a mouthful. Buanana so, ring. And I right. also I'm I'm like knee deep in Jimmy Buffett's piss here. Um, <laughs> so so it's affecting. It's slurring my speech a little bit. So I apologize. It's physically impossible for you to say banana ring correctly right now. Bo bo banana. I'm 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 going. I'm. It's worse now. Okay. <laughs> Boana ring, boana, boana, ring. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about these things. Okay, so, so well, so, yeah. we were gonna go into like DK and Rabbit Cranky's kits later if you want to save it. Um, I feel like I need to. Now? I feel like I need to describe this right now. Okay, so okay. so so the standard one is a banana. But they come in all sorts of shapes, and you really get away from the banana theme over time. So one of my go-to jokes when I'm all out of material is to make fun of the Luigi variant in Mario Kart Tour that's just Luigi wearing lederhosen and holding a big sausage. And I call him Luigi with the big sausage, but one of the Boanarangs is just a hot dog that Donkey Kong can throw. So he's Donkey Kong with the big sausage, apparently. See, your problem anyway. is you're saying boana, boanarang. It's buananarang. Buananarang. There you go. I got her? There you go. I got buananarang. Oh, that hurts. I feel like, yeah. I, I, feel like I have to dislocate my jaw to get that out. I feel yeah, like that's I'm a, what it feels like to get hit by a buonanering every time like you I'm say a, it. I feel like I'm a boa constrictor <laughs> about to eat a couple mice to try to get that one out. Buonanarang. <laughs> so uh, Squawks' thing 
is called the Law of the Macaw. And is this our first canonical suggestion that Squawks is a macaw? I guess so. I, um, I don't know. I, because yeah, let's say because like Squawks doesn't really look like a macaw. Any macaw that I know of. But I I I, I mean maybe maybe he could be, especially if he's like a Donkey Kong Island subspecies or or whatever, some sort of evolution that's different than uh I don't know. I always just thought Squawks was a generic uh whatever parrot, but the law yeah. of the macaw. I think uh, it's the, just a fun name. I don't think it's necessarily saying that he's a macaw. They just wanted something snappy like Rare wanted angry Aztec and they didn't put exactly. much thought into it. All right. Uh, the description is your enemies are about to learn a serious lesson courtesy of the school of hard squawks. And this officially licensed signature Bolanarang. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's a very phallic looking squawks. It, it if this was officially licensed Donkey Kong merchandise in real life, I know what it would be used for. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah. we're all adults here. We we, yeah. we can talk about this. Uh, I mean, the tip of it does look pretty scuffed. I think it might have already seen some action. <laughs> Oh, I don't even want to think about what that <laughs> means or what characters might be implicated in that. So, why why, why don't you read Espresso? You get the Boombow, Boombo, Boombo. Yeah. So the Boombo is um, Rabid Cranky's main weapon. It's his cane, but it sort of pops out to being like a crossbow shotgun thing. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing about this is Rabid Cranky always has his cane out. Like, when you're just going around. So, it's whatever weapon you have. Like, it's going to display on the overworld. Yeah. Um, so, the Espresso Atomizer is sort of this cane thing that looks like Espresso, except he's only got one leg. Um, and it says, Never hide your head in the sand again with this officially licensed, licensed Espresso the Ostrich merch. Has double kneecaps for authenticity. How how crazy is it that we've got Espresso referenced and I'm going to call it a Donkey Kong game. I know we could parse, you know, w- what it actually is. But how crazy is it that we've got Espresso referenced in a Donkey Kong game from 2018? It makes me happy. Also, my dog is barking upstairs. I'm sorry if you can hear him. But no, that's, that's Espresso fine. is like <laughs> my favorite animal buddy, probably. Um, I just really like ostriches. So, you know, I had to use this. So there's a thing consistently with me and the weapons in this game where different weapons have different effects and some of them are pretty much just better than others based on that. Um, Because some of the effects I think are just kind of categorically worse than others. But I always just got to pick the ones that have the aesthetics that I like. So whether or not that's the best weapon to choose for the situation, I just will... I'm not saying no to any of these Animal Buddy ones, you know? Yeah, you you better believe that I used all these Animal Buddy ones. Like, these are what I always had out. Uh, And your dog just wants me to know how to pronounce Buenanarang. And they're they're expressing (laughs) that. 
So we've got the Ingard weapon, which is a sentry. The little, uh, little, uh, motorized drones that Rabbit Peach can send out. Um, and, and, you know, blows things up. Uh, this is the Trophy Fish Terror. And Trophy Fish implies that Ingard has been, like, uh, mounted, right? But the description puts our fears at ease right from the start. It says, relax, Ingard is safe and sound, and a half ton of pet picked, or is it pickled? Um, half, I think half, it's pickled. Pickled, right? I thought it was pickled. Pickled, I, I transposed wrong. And a half ton of pickled mackerel richer, thanks to the licensing deal that brought us this deployable. So not only do we have yet another reference to, I think all of them so far have been, uh, they've had that line of licensed or officially licensed in there. But this is, it said that they've, uh, they've used in guards likeness and they paid in guard with a ton of fish to eat. Yeah, that's cute. I like that the animal buddies are getting paid, you know, like maybe they're not always showing up in games these days, but they're. Still, you know, getting royalties off of their likeness just from like being to, heroes. I like to think that it's the Kongs negotiating for them because they're 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 just animals. But it's like the Kongs yeah, are making the, the Kongs sure. are their agents. Yeah, the the Kongs are like, oh uh, yeah, you can use my animal friend in guards likeness, but here's what I'm going to require: make sure they get what they need. But yeah, th- this is like I think the inf- like aside from like I guess this predates Smash Ultimate. I was gonna say like aside from like spirits, but this is the first time that like in guards really trotted out in any like open acknowledgement. Uh, I-, I can't remember the trophies in Super Smash Four, but this is what Barrel Blast that had uh, in guard and Rambi and. I mean, I know Rambi's been around in the retro games, but yeah, like I think in Guard, the last time he really appeared was Barrel Blast. So just, just great that they're referenced. Um, yeah, it, this is my favorite weapon in the whole game because it's just so uh, it's just cute. Just on Guard's dopey smile, just his big eyes. I just love it. It, and I really sh- like using the sentry in general. So. It, sh- it should be pointed out, too, that these are basically the rare designs for all the animal buddies. I mean, even Rambi's horn-nosed needler looks more like the rare render of Rambi than the retro version of Rambi. Yeah. And then we've got one more, which mm. is uh, the barrel bolt, which is Rabid Cranky's other weapon, he puts a little barrel into his bow and fires in it, sort of like a grenade. Um, so this winky barrel bolt is called the Croker Disposer. And it says, whether it's monkey mines or monkey shines, Winky is always bouncing with enthusiasm, as is this officially licensed barrel bolt. I and love that they actually a- reference monkey mines. Uh-huh. It's yeah. capitalized and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, so it's it, a very rounded, like, thick-looking Winky. Like a real yeah. chubby Winky. He's really cute. I love it. Yeah, it's just interesting to me that they pick the five animal buddies from the original Donkey Kong Country. Even Squawks got in there. 
because uh, he's usually the forgotten one out of the the initial five. But I guess not these days. You know, people more people know Squawks these days than they do Espresso and Winky. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and th- this is just like obviously the lack of animal buddies has been. W- since the Kremlins came back, or at least since K. Rule came back in Ultimate, that has been the biggest complaint Donkey Kong fans have had who like to complain about things is, oh man, the Animal Buddies really fell off, didn't they? I mean, even the end of Rare's tenure, Donkey Kong 64 barely utilized them. And then, you know, Retro barely did anything with them. So just to have this open acknowledgement of it, even if it isn't an actual appearance by them, it's still wonderful. It's still heartwarming. Well, before we finish acknowledging some of the references in this, we we have to talk about the Grant Kirkhope soundtrack yet again. Because I admit that when I played, first played this, and then I heard the DK Isles medley for the first time, I teared up. Just a bit. Um, I Because I think that song in particular is Grant Kirkhope's greatest contribution to the Donkey Kong series. And it's always the damn rap that gets all of the attention and the memes <laughs> and, and all of the focus. And I don't really have anything against the DK rap. But that, that was more jo- George Andreas's brainchild than it was Grant's. And it gets all the attention when people focus on music from Donkey Kong 64. And the DK Isles medley is just the top shelf Donkey Kong music. I mean, it's up there with David Wise's best. So to hear it back once again, and about time too, and to hear it embraced <laughs> and this new lush version of it, it's, it's, it's it's just the best thing. It's the best thing. Yeah. Um, I, I know that a lot of people I know were just really surprised to hear it back and so happy about it. I'm certainly among them. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite Grant Kirkhope compositions ever. Um, it's just such a lovely, adaptable song. I wish it got more use in modern DK games because I think it could really stand as just another timeless theme for the Donkey Kong series. You know, they don't have to use DK Island Swing for everything. Um, but, you know, it's at least I'm glad that it got to come back here. And it's just such a lovely rendition. Um, like, I think I did cry too the first time I heard it. Like, I, I can think of two times where I cried upon hearing a game music remix, and it was this and the Snaky Shanty remix from Smash. So that was like in the same year. I I think what really hit me hard is I've always loved the piece and what it conveys. But in Donkey Kong 64 itself, it's always juxtaposed against this really barren overworld with like no mm-hmm. vegetation on it. And so to see it in a more lush environment, it feels like the song is finally fulfilling the purpose it always should have had. And I feel like Donkey Kong 64 almost let it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, in this game, there's even seagulls that sing along with the music, and it's just like all of nature is joining in, and it's yeah. just so powerful. Yeah. 
There's even like there's a more bare bones version of the song, which is the first one you hear. But as you get a little deeper into the game, it sort of shifts and brings in some more instrumentation and like some brass and stuff that's not there originally. And yeah, it's just so good. It's, I mean, that's that's truly what the DK, amazing. That's what the DK Isles medley is built to do: is to take on the personality of whatever area you're in, and it's it's so adaptable. And I love that it's still adaptable in 2018. Yeah. You know? mm mm-hmm. Um. But I mean, it's not and it's not the only uh, standout Grant Kirkup track in this. That's that's the one that I'm gonna laud and focus on because it's it's just finally vindication for one of my favorite songs from one of my favorite pieces from the series. Even if it took Grant Kirkup himself to kind of bring it back to prominence. But he also has a lot of other great um, compositions in here as well. Yeah. So I mentioned DK Island Swing a minute ago, and obviously a great piece of music, but maybe a bit overdone when it comes to, like, cameo game remixes. You hear it all the time. It's just the song that gets used. And and usually when you hear it, it's just a very straight remix of it. Maybe Mm -hmm. they sort of change the instrumentation up a little bit, but it's just the melody of the song. It's extremely recognizable. But what Grant does in this DLC is he sort of takes DK Island Swing and he uses a lot of its motifs um, throughout the whole his whole compositions for this work, but they come up in really unexpected ways. It's like he's chopped it up and spread it and scattered it all around. And so there'll be this original song that sounds really good, and then all of a sudden, just this, you know, a few bars of DK Island Swing will just hit you. And it's not necessarily the the main part of the melody that everyone recognizes. Um, there, there's like part of the song that ever since I was a kid, I always called it like the sunset part. But I don't really know if <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it's just like the, the part where the music kind of like calms down. And it like, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like the. Do 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 that part. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh like that part comes through in a in like the reef battle music uh-huh. for DK Adventure, and it's this really intense song, and that's normally a, a calm part of the original composition, so it's just such an interesting choice that he decided to use it for this intense battle music, and it, it's just pretty amazing that it keeps popping up here and there it's original music but then this motif of a familiar dk song reminds you that you're playing a dk game yeah i think i think it's quite masterful what he's done with this soundtrack yeah it's definitely like i said it's definitely great to have grant kirkhope get the same opportunity that david wise had with tropical freeze to kind of have a wider range of stuff in there with with modern equipment and to really get to flex his muscles in a way that he never could back on in this case the n64 it's 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 great and it's like i was gonna say we need to get robin beanland in there but he only did the one song for donkey kong (laughs) and that was originally for killer instinct so anyway um but yeah um 
definitely, definitely worth it for the Grant Kirkhope soundtrack. I don't think they released this separately as a soundtrack. I know if you got the collector's edition of Kingdom Battle when it came out, you got a soundtrack with Grant Kirkhope's music for the main adventure, but I don't think they've ever released Donkey Kong Adventure as a separate thing, have they? The soundtrack. I don't think so, unfortunately. It's a shame. that Because I would buy it. I would. I mean, I know like CDs are passe or whatever, uh, but I would. I I want to have it. I want to have it in my collection. Or yeah, I'm, they... I'm just in love with the music for this. It's just great, great Donkey Kong music, and I was listening to basically all the tracks in it over and over earlier today to get me excited for this, and it just doesn't get old. They could at least put it on Spotify because I know I could pull it up on YouTube but then Nintendo will take it down because you can't put Nintendo music on YouTube apparently. It might. I think like Ubisoft has official music channels um so it oh, might right. be there actually. That's right. It is it is Ubisoft so they could, you know. Right. I actually have the Nintendo. files. So I I have them locally on my computer. I bought the soundtrack to the main game mm-hmm. and I don't think there was a, a way to like buy the soundtrack to the DLC. If there was, I might have done it, but otherwise I just got the files from, I guess, someone else who had the soundtrack, maybe, it, like it, from the collector's edition. But. It was hard enough getting the physical edition for the DLC, so for more on that, listen to the last episode for like, <laughs> the first 30 minutes of it. But yeah, you know, in addition to all of the great Donkey Kong references in there and the Grant Kirkup music, there's also... The most tantalizing thing in the long term, some new Donkey Kong lore to be mined from this game. And, you know, as with anything Donkey Kong, whether or not this will ever be referenced by another studio is probably unlikely. But it's the kind of stuff that DK Vine can embrace and never forget. And there's a lot to unpack here. And again, I don't want to spoil the experience for a lot of people. So I'm not going to be getting into everything or even most things. I'm just going to say a couple of my favorite little tidbits, my little favorite lore nuggets from Donkey Kong Adventure that really make me want to speculate on what this stuff means and the backstory behind it. Just further adding to the tapestry of the DK Isles and the Rare Archipelago and just the Donkey Kong universe in general. And if you have any you would like to add, uh, feel free to chime in. But First, uh, this, this is early on in, in the adventure. Where, you know, Beepo still has these asides where you can be traveling from battle to battle, and you've got these um little like linear paths. By the way, the little linear paths in conjunction with the Grant Kirkup music, it really made me feel like I was playing the version of Donkey Kong sixty four that Donkey Kong sixty four was originally apparently going to be before it became sort of Banjo Kazooie Redux. Um just the more like linear three D game. I was like, oh wow, this is kind of like what I had in mind for what Rare originally was trying to make DK64 to, you know, separate it from Banjo and Conquer and Mario. Um, so anyway, that, that, that's cool. But yeah, Beepo can like look at the, the scenery or, or the background and be like, this is what this is. 
and you get a little little lore drop there. And uh, there's there's a shipwreck early on. I think it's a brigantine. If if, if yeah, if counting the number of sails and uh, mast and uh, everything, using my Sea of Thieves knowledge here. But Beepo says, legend has it. The wicked pirate Banana Beard shipwrecked here. They say his ghost makes banana custard by the light of the full moon. And I thought that's what Bumper got arrested for. But no, uh, <laughs> Banana Beard is uh, is a new canonical pirate in, in Donkey Kong lore, which I find tantalizing. I, I I mean, Banana Beard is kind of a, a rote name. It's like obvious because there's a yellow beard, right? So this, this is Banana Beard. But um, yeah, like legend has it that his ghost do you think, is still haunting it. So, Do you think Banana Beard was a Kong the pirate? Like obviously there's like Kremlings have a history of piracy. Do you think Kong- that maybe... Um, Banana Beard was a Kong who tried to go toe-to-toe with the Kremlin Pirates. I I could see that. I'm also going to try to convince Jeff that this is this needs to be the natural arc of his character, of his pirate in Sea of Thieves. I want I want uh Jeff the Brash to become Banana Beard over time. And and so this would canonically be his final resting place, <laughs> just because he has a big beard. And I'm like, what if you what if you start like mashing bananas into it, Jeff? Have you considered this for your for your pirate character? Don't turn up your nose at me. Don't maybe eventually it. that'll be like a that'll be some kind of um, accessory that you can do in Sea of Thieves is just to have an actual banana beard. <laughs> I actually I actually pitched it to some people. Uh, who who work on Sea of Thieves lore earlier today? <laughs> I was like, "Hey, I, nice. We'll see where that goes." Yeah, it'll go nowhere. Just like my quest to get TT in Sea of Thieves has gone nowhere. But anyway, Banana Beard, Jeff, think about it. So, uh, w- one of the weapons is uh, is is uh, called. I, I think it's a barrel bolt. Um, it's called the Pandemonium. And it, it's it's just a panda-shaped barrel bolt. But here's the description for it. The panda this was modeled after was named Ling Ling, who served as finance minister on the island until Bamboo Gate forced her out of office. <laughs> so... One, Ling Ling was the name of the panda at the National Zoo here in the U.S. Uh, it was it was a gift from China, I think, during the Nixon administration and passed away in 1992. But Ling Ling is still well known. If you, if you visit the zoo, I think they have a memorial up for Ling Ling. And so apparently there was a Ling Ling on the DK Isles that worked as finance minister for some time uh out of city hall or big ape city i i don't know but there was something called bamboo gate which i love that they still have the gate um you know the the like water gate is where the whole gate thing stems from every time you attach gate to a political scandal it's just because there was a hotel called Watergate, and that was the like 
defining political scandal of the 20th century. So now that has extended to the DK Isles and they have their own gates, which is ludicrous to me that there, but there was a bamboo gate. There was a panda named Ling Ling who worked on in the DK Isles government and she was forced out of office. I want to know more about this. Who's going to be the first person to make fan art of Ling Ling, Ling the Ling. finance minister? It might have to be me. <laughs> I, I just want to see like what her office looks like. What like what was this while Cranky was the the chieftain of Donkey Kong Island, or or was it Donkey Kong who forced her out after he took over? Maybe around the time of King of Swing, and he became Jungle Hero. And was he like looking at the book and was like, "Wait a second. Like, like maybe maybe it was tiny because tiny canonically likes to do the taxes of the other kongs so maybe she was like inspecting the books and yeah, she noticed something was up donkey kong took over and he was like hey tiny can you look at some of these books something doesn't seem right like five percent of the budget is unaccounted for and it, it went towards it's going to bamboo or bamboo yeah, yeah, Ling yeah. Ling was like spending you know skimming a little off the top and spending it all on bamboo yeah Ling Ling's gonna come back as the antagonist where everybody's going to be wanting k rule and they're gonna be like who the fuck is ling ling i hate this and we're like we should have played donkey kong adventure and set it up so <laughs> there's also a character referenced a couple of times called the banana king and uh it's referenced at least in two weapon descriptions so i i will i will read those One of them says, a little island history. The Banana King gave much praise to the gods for the deliciousness of banana, peanut butter, and honey on toast, which is a delicious, snacky kind of breakfast. So you're like, who's the Banana King? Well, another item description says this. Island legend says the Banana King received a gold... (laughs) Boanarang <laughs> from the god. Uh, uh, what? Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> you always end up reading the ones that have. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I, I hate it. I, I was hoping to avoid this for the rest of the episode. Re- okay. I le- Why don't you read it then? I'm, I'm just, okay. just going to tap all out right, of this right. one. Why don't you read it? <laughs> Island legend says the Banana King received a gold banana ring from the god Banana Loa. He built the temple of... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he built the temple of Banana Panamahu in Thinks. I think that was it. Uh-huh. Banana uh, Panamahu. Banana Panamahu. I can say that, but I can't say Banana Rang. Um, yeah. Uh, so so there, there was some sort of Banana King... In antiquity on Donkey Kong Island. And uh, apparently there there was a god that, that the Banana King believed in. He believed in called Banana Loa. And built the temple of Banana Panamahu. So I, I don't know how that coincides with things like the Tiki Tak tribe. And the, the Aztec religion on Donkey Kong Island. Uh, we got layers here. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of different belief systems yeah. on Donkey Kong Island. Yeah, so, uh, you know, maybe this is like the the time after the Tiki Tak tribe got 
banished to the volcano and, and maybe maybe they were looking for other belief systems on Duncan Island and this early banana king it's like uh banana loa and maybe that was like an early name for the queen banana bird i don't know i don't know there's it's it's it's, it's ambiguous and i don't have enough information to go off of to say one way or another but there, there's there's more lore to dive into throughout Don Kong Adventure that we will have a field day with at DK Vine in years. Maybe to come. they were uh, visited by like Xanab and his people, and it was like an ancient aliens type thing. So they treated them as gods. I mean, there was an ancient aliens type thing in Jungle Beat with the space dragons, and so maybe. Oh, how how is it that we always reference Xanab? Because Xanab's great. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I, can, uh, I can concur. Xanab is great. But yeah, I mean, so, so we have, like, interesting new stuff in there. We have references to old stuff. It's, in, it, it's, it's fascinating to me how they pulled this off. Because it must have been an effort for Ubisoft Milan to balance this. Because here you have what's ostensibly a Mario game. You have DLC for a Mario game. That is basically a new Donkey Kong game. And despite the historical link between the two, there there is a lot different about a Donkey Kong game than there is a Mario game. How do you find the sweet spot? And I think the sweet spot is what they did. I think it's kind of the best of both worlds without upsetting either side. Yeah, so there's like a lot of weapons and stuff in this game that are just kind of generally themed. Like, we talked about all the Animal Buddy themed ones, but then... You talked about how there's one that's just a hot dog, like <laughs> Rabbit Cranky has one that's a hamburger. I right. mean, that's how it is in the main game, too. Like, not yeah. all the weapons are themed around Mario stuff. Some right. of them are just silly designs that are more general. And so they did that here again. And, you know, I've heard some people, when this came out, be like, you know, it's disappointing that there's the Animal Buddy weapons, but why didn't they have some other, like, why isn't there a Naughty weapon? Why isn't there a Zinger weapon, etc.? Um, but, you know, I, I think that they had to kind of lean on the general appeal of things because they wanted to sell this to people who had, maybe they were just Mario fans, so they bought the base game and maybe they don't know anything about the wider Donkey Kong series. So they had to keep a lot of that general stuff that would just appeal to anyone and just be humorous to any human without like fully leaning 100% on Donkey Kong country references and things like that. And there's still plenty of them, but I think it makes totally se- total sense that they wouldn't just, like, go completely all in on making it a DK, like, a DK fandom fan service game because it had to appeal to Mario fans and really just the general audience, too, because um, this game has sold quite well and it goes on sale a lot, so it continues to sell quite well to this day. Yeah, yeah, and like, but like I said, like, as a Donkey Kong fan, as I would argue one of the most hardcore Donkey Kong Country fans on the planet, uh, it pleased me. 
they 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 found the balance at least. Now, did the, I mean, did the squawks shaped banana ring please you, Hyle? The name <laughs> of the weapon does not please me because I apparently can never say it. But yes, the 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 shape pleases me. Squawks pleases me. Uh, as do all of the animal buddies, but just in general, just the whole package, the presentation, the humor, um, it it feels authentically Donkey Kong, even if it doesn't, you know, tick every box of fan servicey crap that I crave. It still feels right. It still feels correct and controversial. Take it feels correct in ways that retros games even don't you know um i i think the tone is more accurate in spirit to what rare laid down that's not me saying like oh i hate the retro games no i like them i i love them even but i feel like just the spirit of this is is much more true to what donkey kong was when i fell in love with the series back in 1994 yeah um, and honestly, as you, uh, hinted at earlier, I think I like just the gameplay, the, the, the actual adventure in Donkey Kong Adventure way more than I do Kingdom Battle. And I like Kingdom Battle. I, I liked Kingdom Battle, but I think this is honestly stronger. It's snappier. Um, it, it feels... Breezer, like I, I mentioned, I had to keep picking up and putting down Kingdom Battle um, to find my groove. And sometimes, like challenges get so hard, and I was like, oh, I, I can't do this right now. Uh, th- this one I played pretty compulsively. Yeah. So, uh, just as a, a general length thing, um, in my recent replay, where I was, I was kind of rushing through both because, unfortunately, I wanted to get through them before we did these podcasts so I didn't have time to go off the beaten path too much and do side puzzles. I was kind of just doing the main battles, trying to get through the main story. So I looked at the time I'd spent streaming all of it, and I would say that DK Adventure took me about a third of the time that the main game did, mm-hmm. which uh, is pretty meaty for a DLC to a game, to yeah. be like a third of the game over again. But depending on you know, how you click with the gameplay, it could, that proportion could be longer or shorter. Um, and I, I was benefited by having played it before. So, you know, I, I knew what to expect and how the game worked. I didn't have to spend too much time remembering all the new stuff DK could do and all the new stuff Rabbit Cranky could do, etc. Um, and there's like a lot of extra content that comes with the DLC. So aside from just getting through the main story, there's a lot of extra challenges and, you know, little puzzles. The, the puzzles, as I said, I do think are more engaging in DLC. Even the side ones, they came up with some clever stuff. And there are some puzzles that gate you off um, throughout the adventure, but I think they're a lot more clever um, and less painful than block-pushing puzzles. They're more creative. It's almost like you have a grudge against pushing blocks. I don't know I what I don't game. like block puzzles. I don't know what <laughs> game would have given you this complex where you're pushing blocks endlessly in rooms to, to unlock things. I don't know. It, it, it's almost like there's a, there's a game 
from around the same time as Donkey Kong 64 that just spam this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a game that I've played that I'm not entirely fond of. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that's what gave me the the block pushing trauma. But it certainly didn't help. I honestly, I think it goes all the way back to like Pokemon for me and having to use strength on rocks and how like agonizingly slow that was. But uh, I've just never been a fan of this type of thing. Anyway, as for the main battle gameplay. Um, in the, oh, I wanted to ask you a question here, yeah. which is, so we talked about how this game can be played immediately after the first chapter of the yeah. main game, but where do you recommend playing it? Oh, I don't know if, if my personal recommendation should be taken at face value here. Like, I, I'm, I'm the type of person who has to play it after the main adventure is done. Like, like for me, like it came out after, so you have to play it after. But I'm also the type of person who you you get a little bit of grass in Pokemon, and I have to level up my Pokemon to level 100 in that grass before I move on. So I'm broken okay. fundamentally as a human, as a member of our society. Uh, I'm not a gamer. I am a collection of neuroses that cause me to mash buttons on my controller in a way that upsets other people who play games professionally for a living. So that's the way I do it. I think you need to do it whatever way you would find the most enjoyable. Um, yeah. I was actually <laughs> going to say that I agree with you, but here's my reason. Okay. Um, it's because <laughs> it's because I think that DK Adventure is so... It, it plays differently from the main game in subtle ways, but ways that will, like, sort of get into your head. So I think it wouldn't be great to sort of get used to the way the main game works and then kind of learn this different style of play and then go back to the main game. I think it's just probably better if you stick to the main game and it's, like, sort of ever-evolving nature of adding in the different characters and, um, you know, the way that plays... Because DK Adventure feels so isolated and cohesive all to itself that I think it works great. It's like the perfect epilogue. I think it would be weird to like play half the main game and then do this other thing which feels quite unique unto itself and then go back and finish the other one. Yeah. I, I agree. And I also like just narratively where that puts like characters like Rabid Peach that... They're just they're just living in the mushroom kingdom now. They're now part of the gang, and then they go have this. She go she has this separate adventure with Donkey Kong over in the DK Isles, and then she goes back. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, but I I I do like you know like that that it's not just something that happens in media res where it's just like in the middle of of the story. It just it just later. Just just later, some point, maybe even a year later, who knows? Um and, and the rabbits are now just an ingrained part of the mushroom kingdom. And meanwhile, this has been happening on Donkey Kong Island this entire time. This this rabbit invasion or Tim Burton Planet of the Apes style time dilation f fuckery, I don't know. But yeah, um, but I, th I think it's just up to personal preference. They made it so you can choose any time after 
the first adventure. And I, I think it would hold up even if you jumped straight from the first chapter into Donkey Kong Adventure. Like, I don't think there there would be this massive learning curve or difficulty spike. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I, I think that doing it at the end is how I would recommend it, but it really works uh, whenever. And I, I noticed on this playthrough that there's enemy types that aren't introduced until Chapter 2, mm. uh, the Bucklers, and they are... If you go straight into DK Adventure, Beepo does explain like how these enemies work again, as if you'd never seen them, to account for people who just jumped in there and they didn't uh, play Chapter 2 of the main game yet. Yeah. And if you are like just if you just like hate Mario for some reason and you're purely here for the DK content, (laughs) you know, hypothetical person. But, you know, you should give the main game a chance. But if you got this game for cheap and, you know, you don't mind the fact that DK Adventure is shorter than you would expect a full price game to be because it is just DLC, I think it would be like, okay to just play the first chapter and just play dk adventure and not even play the rest of the main game if you just really hate mario and luigi (laughs) for some reason i mean i think that's silly because i think it's all great it's all wonderful you should play the whole thing but if you for some reason are just that dk purist who only wants dk adventure i think that kind of would just work as its own complete story if mario kidnapped your grandfather held him in a cage and tortured him then yeah, just just yeah. just play the first chapter and Donkey Kong Adventure because that's all the yeah. And then just like content. hold up your hand whenever Mario is on the screen because unfortunately he has to be in every battle. So just get past the first chapter, but try not to look at Mario. Right. And then you'll get this Donkey Kong sweet sweet embrace. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 your it's your reward for uh, your sacrifice of having to endure just that little bit of Mario. Yeah, so I wanted to touch on the gameplay differences a little bit, and I got a little sidetracked there. But <laughs> so, uh, like I said, it's it's just different enough to make it feel like a sort of one point five sequel. So when I first played the main game, I played it when it came out, and then I played the DLC when it came out. So there was you know most of a year in between there, and this is the first time I've played the main game and the DLC back to back. So it really accentuated the subtle differences between them in a way that I hadn't noticed before, playing them with so much space in between them. Mm -hmm. So one thing that you notice just right off the bat, I think, is how much more important movement is. Movement is always important in the game. Like, you want to be covering as much ground as possible. You can use team jumps to get a bigger range. You can go through pipes to extend your range because, like, once you come out of a pipe, you get a little bit of extra distance. Um, But that's more important than ever in DK Adventure because the fields are generally bigger and there's a lot more enemies and a lot more like goals of battles that involve chasing the enemies down. So there are these enemies called collectors that have broken bits of the washing machine that you're trying to recover and they can just run all over the place. They have a range of like 20 squares, so they they just zoom everywhere. So you're always chasing them around. And then there are these enemies called smugglers, and you're trying to stop them from reaching a certain area. So another enemy type that you have to chase down, and you can actually, like, attack them, and they'll run back towards you a little bit. Um, So there's a lot of stuff like that. And I found myself going through this in the skill tree, like, wanting to upgrade everyone's range of movement first first and foremost, because it was just so important. 
uh, even more important than like the amount of damage you do and stuff like that. And you can go a huge distance in this game because DK's, one of his abilities is to throw things and that includes his partners. So in the main game, like you can have your people jump off of each other to extend their range a bit, but that takes their movement to do, right? So like say Rabid Peach moves, she jumps off of Mario and gets to go a little further, but then she's moved so she can't move anymore. Yeah. But here you could have DK throw Rabid Peach so he can move, pick her up, keep moving, throw her a far distance, and then she can still move her entire turn. So like you can just go this ridiculous amount of distance in this game. And it's it's really fun. And the the difference between like not really paying attention to all your options and when you start really understanding the options that the game gives you and what you can get out of them, it's just huge, the amount of difference it makes. It's also kind of refreshing to have more limited options with character selection you have your three characters and that's it yeah you don't have to like decide like oh should i should i switch out rabid luigi for regular luigi none of that it's just like no i have donkey kong i have rabid peach and i have rabid cranky and that that's all i have and that's one reason that i think the DLC took me less time to get through. It was just because I didn't have all that decision time. That was something I spent a lot of time with in the main game was like looking at the field and being like, hmm, well, maybe it would be better to use this character because he's better against smashers. But I don't know about that. What if I want to use Peach instead? And then here it's just like, nope, I'm going. I'm going to figure this out as I go because I know my three characters and we don't have to agonize over this. It feels like a lot more fast paced because of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, and and honestly, like, I feel like there's no fat, right? Like, we we mentioned how in the main adventure, like, we preferred just the first three characters we got, right? So Mario with Rabbit Peach and Rabbit Luigi, and and any additional characters that join the party is just like well but yeah but i've i put so much into these characters that eh, it's just whatever but here it's it's very lean and and so you're you're not like worrying about oh uh, i haven't really leveled up this character much i really should do that and switch them out and use them more and you don't have to worry about it so yeah and these characters are designed really well to work together and um, just the way their moves can play off of each other. So, for instance, um, Rabid Cranky has this thing where after he, like when he comes down from a jump or a throw, he does damage to the enemies that are in the area where he lands. And he can also freeze them, which is a status effect that prevents them from doing like special moves. Um, so he can actually do this twice in one turn. Because he can be thrown by DK, and then he could jump off of Rabbit Peach. So if you get your characters working together, like with this great synergy, you can do like all sorts of really cool stuff. Because they design these characters to work together so tightly with the different abilities they have. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what those abilities are a little bit. So DK has the Buonana Ring. As we mentioned, that's his main weapon. You're, it is. You're a, gonna say it from now on. I'm. I'm. Yeah. Gonna refrain. From even trying. Ring, 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 banana ring. It's a boomerang, as you might have guessed, but it's banana shaped or shaped like a hot dog or the squawk's penis or whatever. And um, <laughs> it can hit 
multiple enemies, but the tricky thing about it is it like goes in an arc, so it can be kind of hard to like understand what enemies it's going to hit or if you even can hit an enemy from where you're standing because like it kind of curves. You don't just hit something straight on like you would with the blaster. Um, so it's a little complicated, but can potentially be quite powerful because it can hit multiple enemies. And then his other move is just his his hands. He's throwing hands. He's got the ground pound. He just slams the ground and it does like a big wide area damage. Um, and the interesting thing is that like not only can you upgrade DK's banana ring, but you can upgrade his hands. <laughs> like you can give him more power in his hands and like it does special. You can choose that it does extra damage to certain types of enemies. But as you go forward, like trying to get these upgrades, if you haven't unlocked one yet, um, instead of DK, like just showing like powered up with his super powerful hands, it'll just show this. If you have a locked one, it'll just show this spectral dark DK that I think is really freaky. Like, did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, but to your point about upgrading hands and how ludicrous it is, I actually took it to be sort of a callback to Donkey Kong 64, where, you know, Cranky's potions gave Donkey Kong, you know, more physical abilities. So it, it just kind of... That, That's it, true. He's just juicing, you know? They, they have to upgrade their, like, ground pound to hit the switches. So yeah. maybe Rabid Cranky is brewing some potions on the down low and slipping them to DK so he can That's get all more it powerful is. hands. It's just... Just steroids. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that the way Rabid Peach gets a new weapon in the first place is that Rabid Cranky had it in his beard, so who knows what else he's got in there. Ooh, he had uh, he had his false teeth too, and yeah. Rabid Peach briefly got Throws those, those in right mouth. into her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I think he had a slipper. Um, was it was it a little slipper yeah, in his beard? A yeah. Slipper. Um, so that's DK, and another thing that DK can do is, this is where the Hellavines we talked about come in, so there's these little sort of pads on the ground that are on ledges, and if you go onto one of those, you can leap across these vast distances on the field because these little Hellavines will appear, and so he can grab them to swing across these um, pits that would be normally, like, way too far to jump across or throw someone across. Mm -hmm. So DK has the ability to basically travel across the entire field in a lot of cases. He can also clamber up onto ledges that normally you'd have to throw someone up onto or take a pipe up onto. So he he's the movement king. Yeah. He can go all kinds of places. Um, the only downside to him is that he cannot jump off of other people because if he tried to jump off of rabid cranky or rabid peach he'd probably kill them so he can only throw others he can't jump right he's he's the base kong that other kongs crawl on yeah and uh excluding chunky because chunky was always the base uh in Donkey Kong 64 whenever they would stack each other stack like in, in the dk wrap and then in the yeah the, like the uh, cheerleader style pyramid the christmas tree uh render too yeah and one other last cool thing that DK can do is that when enemies pop up in this game, like they're spawning in new enemies onto the fields, they'll always appear as their ears popping out of the ground first. Mm -hmm. and, and then DK can actually run over and pick them up out of the ground before they've fully spawned in. 
like Pikmin. Yeah. And just like just get them onto the field early and that's, that's throw such, them. That's such a refreshing change because yeah, in in the main campaign, you know, you're just like, oh, they're gonna pop up there, and uh, and Donkey Kong's just like, nope. We're, yeah, we're doing so if there's now. an enemy spawning in an inconvenient place, DK can just rip him up and throw him somewhere else that might be a little more easy for you to manage. Yep. And uh, then you got Rabid Cranky, who, as we mentioned, has the boom bow. Boom bow, yeah. That's what it's called, yeah. So it's his cane that is also a crossbow, and it is functionally the same weapon that like Peach or Rabid Mario have from the main game. It's like a shotgun-style thing. It does kind of a blast of damage that's more powerful the closer you are to the enemy. And then he's got, like, the barrel bolt, which is essentially a grenade. So those are similar to things that are in the main game. But then he's got a special new move called uh, Long Story, which is basically just him telling a really boring story that puts (laughs) all the enemies around him to sleep. (laughs) And that can be really useful because, like I said, with all the enemies that run away from you in this... You might want to hold them in place, so it has a pretty good range. Yeah, and it's just and, that's just such mm-hmm. a such a great little bit because you know usually these moves are just designed purely from a gameplay perspective of you know to get from point A to point B in gameplay. But this is such a character context heavy use of that that it's just it's so rewarding to see him utilize it. Yeah, and that interesting thing about that is it seems to actually be getting passed on to Rabid Rosalina in the sequel because she's got like a bedtime story type move that does the same thing. It's not as funny, so, though. It's not as funny because a bedtime it's story It's not as funny, is, no. It's not as funny as like an old man sweet. putting you to sleep. It's like, <laughs> it's like oh, in the third one, they're going to have a Rabid character, let's say Rabid Waluigi, who just does relaxing ASMR and i mean yeah but it's it's not as funny as cranky boring you into a comatose state yeah so i'm trying to think if i'm forgetting anything so oh dk has his bongos that's his special move is it's similar to what rabid mario does in the main game he can draw enemies to him by playing his bongos and they'll all dance and come want to party with him which Uh, which is I think thematically accurate to how the DK bongos work in Donkey Konga because he like he's able to draw in Rambi and Ellie and the banana birds and even King K rule. They just have to dance. Yeah. No one can resist that groove. Not even King K. No Rool. one can resist Diddy's Diddy's. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are the main gameplay differences and like i said it's it's just a an overall really smooth polished package where they got to like i think they got to um sort of make the battles a little more demanding and structured because they knew what characters you'd be working with so they didn't have to leave them as open-ended it almost feels like some of these battles have solutions that you're intended to figure out instead of just having a more freeform approach. Um, and it's interesting. I don't know how you fared with this, but um, I was able to get perfects on almost all the battles on my first try just from doing my best. But I found the boss battles to have like 
insane difficulty for getting a perfect compared to just the regular battles. The regular ones were, except near the end of the game, but like for the most part, they were quite lenient with the amount of turns that you were allowed to take. Mm -hmm. But then the boss was like, I, I didn't lose characters on the bosses, but I just took five turns when it wanted me to take four or something. And it's like, really? You wanted me to defeat this boss in four turns? I don't know why the bosses were just so much more demanding compared to the regular battles, but I guess I just didn't strategize well enough. And I have a complex in... I I had the same problem in Fire Emblem when I played that. I I can't allow myself to lose characters. So, Mm -hmm. like, I, I was like, I don't want you to pass out. Pokemon, too, honestly. Like, I was just like, no, no, I'm never gonna let you pass out. So I I always like quit if it looks like I mean, it's gonna happen. <laughs> I'd be fine with letting them pass out if that didn't affect the score that you got at the yeah, end. Where yeah. I was trying to get a perfect, you know. But even if there was no score, I can't abide it. I can't let it happen because I feel oh, like I I no I feel like I'm the caretaker of these characters, oh. and I, I'm like no 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 I I would be a bad game daddy if i let you pass out i I need to nurture you i need to chew up your food and spit it into your mouth it took a sweet moment that. and i ruined it yeah <laughs> but yeah that's uh oh there's one more new enemy type i wanted to talk about which was the summoners they are basically reskinned um supporters from the main game so they're the healers except this time they can actually summon in a different enemy so they are extremely annoying because not only can they heal their fellows but they can also just make more rabbits appear on the battlefield so they're pretty much the worst on the topic of of the new enemies i did want to say really quick i appreciate that they brought in the uh the enemy type collectors because of course in in a donkey kong game you want um, somebody obsessed with collecting everything. So yeah. I, I felt that accurate. I felt like I was <laughs> seen by Ubisoft. Yeah. We have representation, us collectathon maniacs. <laughs> yeah, the last thing I, I really wanted to mention um, was the overall shark theme. So oh, we mentioned this God. a bit earlier. I just, this there, taste will not leave my mouth. Apparently, Jeff oh, was I'm... Jeff was on me in a live stream that I needed <laughs> limes to make this faux Corona work. Corona, but you, uh, I don't have limes, Jeff. I only have bananas because I'm the Donkey Kong household. Is Donkey Kong limes? No, I might have some pineapple smells in my fridge, but I don't have any limes. So guess what? I'm stuck with a case of this atrocious beer because there you were should sharks get some baking in soda. Cake. For your fridge to clean out all that pineapple smell, you know, no. soaks the smell up. <laughs> it's because of all but, the pineapple pizza I've been eating, which I realize is controversial in and of itself. But yeah, I, they're, look, they're, I like pineapple pizza. We're we're on the same page with so many things. All right, I appreciate yeah. that. And, uh, normally, I like sharks, but and, and Shark Week. I'm s- yeah. I'm sorry, this beer ruined off. it for you. I was gonna yeah. say I, I love the shark theme in this game, but it led to a very sad ending where you had to drink this disgusting beer. I guess. And I'll have um, to drink it all sharks, through Shark Week, yeah, but... Sharks are my second favorite animal. Now, my favorite animal is crocodiles, but if for some reason you don't want to or aren't allowed to have crocodiles in your Donkey Kong game, then sharks make me the second happiest that you could do. Um, so, this 
theme kind of tapers off a bit as it goes on, but it starts out really strong. Um, that there's kind of just the the first two bosses are shark theme. Shark theme. They're basically rabbits that have emerged with shark pool toys. I think, uh-huh. and there's the theme of some of the weapons as sharks and just a little bit more shark imagery. So I think, you know, sharks are cool enemies for a Donkey Kong game, especially when you're able to merge them with something else like here where they can actually move about on land. And sharks have been in the DKC games from the very beginning, of course. Chomps and Chomps Jr. Chomps, Chomps Jr. Snaggles. Good old Snaggles. Yeah. Snaggles is the name of my, uh, you know those giant Ikea sharks? I have one of those my friend sent me, and I named it Snaggles. I don't have an Ikea anywhere nearby, so I uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no. I'll send you a picture later. you got to see this big shark. It's so cute. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you know, in the broader DKU, there's Snacker. Everybody knows Snacker. Everybody fears Snacker. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I, like, sharks, I... I, I I like that theming because, like, I was, I was like, "What are you doing with the tropical ziggies?" They're like, uh, "Are they supposed to be like natives? Like, is, is this something that's kind of like culturally insensitive?" Um, but yeah, they they leaned more into like stuff like the yeah, sh- shark based imagery, and it, it's it's all silly. It's all good fun. They don't cross any lines, but. Um, yeah, I do like that those pool toys that the the newsies had were were utilized in that way. It's just like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna make these the first two bosses in in the game because of these stupid pool toys. Yeah, and sharks I think are pretty similar to crocodiles because they are these like fearsome animals yeah. with sharp teeth. <laughs> yeah, they do. They have teeth. There you go. Um, I. So, so I went to the science museum uh, last weekend, and it's like the first time I've really been to museums in in since the pandemic started. You know, I was masked up. I kept my distance as best I could from people, but they had this shark exhibit, and uh, they they were comparing the skull of a shark with the skull of a crocodile. And me, I'm an idiot who doesn't read the little. Uh, placards and i i saw this crocodile skeleton or crocodile skull and i was like that doesn't look like a shark that looks like a crocodile and i was like oh <laughs> it is a crocodile skull they're they're comparing the two but uh yeah so yeah that's just fresh in my mind yeah they, they were compared in the science museum so yes they are basically identical Well, we have some calls to take. Uh, we, uh, we, we got two different callers this time. So why don't we go ahead and play the first one, hear what they have to say about Donkey Kong Adventure. Then we'll play the second one. And then we'll give our final thoughts for now. Because, like I said, this is a topic that will be worth revisiting maybe sooner than four years from now. Maybe maybe we'll uh we'll be I'll be a little bit more judicious about mining this game for content from here on out. Let's hear what the caller has to say. All right. Hello friends, this is Pyrrhic Kong. 
I'm just walking home from work. And first off, thank you so much for thanking me for getting my steps in at the end of the DK Treehouse episode. I felt super, super seen. Anyway, I just wanted to call about Mario Plus Rabbids featuring the new adventure with Donkey Kong. And while I do love the overall presentation of the DLC as a whole, um, the music, of course, just what they do with the various pipes and the various paraphernalia of Donkey Kong's universe, I really want to take the moment to hyperfixate on Donkey Kong himself, because this is such a lovingly animated version of the character. Just, you know, I personally love Donkey Kong. I mean, for me personally, he's like the can the hat, Mario, Sonic, Ryu, and my dad coming home from the milk store all in one. So I love him quite a bit. But the way that he moves, the way that he's able to take the terrain and toss it around and spike enemies around, he feels like a living boss character. And for me, as hard as it is to say, I think that this is my favorite version of playable Donkey Kong. So often, DK is just a template for the rest of the Kong family, you know, the branching off point for all the DKC characters in DK64, the basis for, you know, the Returns in Tropical Freeze games. They say he's bigger, faster, and stronger, too. But in most games, I just feel like the only ones that really take advantage of that are, like, Jungle Beats and maybe Superstar Baseball. Anyway, in any case here... I just really love him. He's a better grappler here than he is in Smash, and just, oh, he's my favorite in this game, and I am so pleased to see a team take this character I love and translate him so beautifully. In any case, uh, thank you guys for your time, and what do you think? Probably been already answered, but I'd give two cents. Bye-bye for now. Well, thank you for the call, Pirate Kong. And yeah, we didn't discuss... Like the the presentation and the the animation so much, especially in relation to Donkey Kong, he is ridiculously well animated in this. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's something I noticed. Like the cutscenes in particular really stand out. Just how expressive he is and how crisp everything is. This is some of the finest little cutscenes Donkey Kong's ever been in. Like, I, I realize, like, that's kind of slim pickings when you've got, I guess, the, the tropical freeze opening and, and, like, really looking like modern cutscenes. But, you know, then you've got the Smash Ultimate trailers. But I think, like, I, I would agree. This is, this is some of the best that he's ever looked. And also, he is very fun to play in this. Um, yeah. So, like, when you're selecting your character to just look at their stats and stuff, um, like, if you go to DK, he's swinging in on a vine, and he, like, jumps off the vine, and there's, like, some squash and stretch effects, and it just looks really nice. Like, he's so fluid and everything. Um, And there's, like, a cutscene early on, as I mentioned earlier, when Rabid Kong pounds Rabid Peach into the ground, and, like, there's this slow-mo shot of Rabbit Cranky and DK reacting to it. And DK just has this expression of, like, I don't know, shock on his face, I guess, where he's just, like, open-mouthed and his eyes are wide. And I don't know why, but it's just so funny to me. I redid that battle because I could have done it better and I wanted to do it better. And I watched the cutscene again just because I wanted to see his big, gaping, mod face. It's just... Yeah. 
it was just great. Yeah, there, there, there's like a a balance to Donkey Kong where you know you make him too comedic and he comes across as buff- buffoonish, and you know we we have the toothy grin jackass kind of go to shorthand at DK Vine when when Donkey Kong's pushed too far in that direction. But they get it right here. I I think the the balance is perfect. He's kind of the straight man with Rabbit Peach and Rabbit Cranky and even Beepo. He's he's kind of like the Mario like stabilizing middleman. Um, but he's still expressive and funny in his own way, and um, he he never becomes like boring like Mario is. I think that was Pierre Kong was saying, like, too often Donkey Kong is the template. Too often Donkey Kong is the boringest one because you have the far more interesting Diddy or Dixie or Cranky or you could just go new funky mode and damn, funky's cool. Uh, Candy should be with funky. Funky's awesome. But to have Donkey Kong portrayed as cool and interesting and done right... I mean, it should be easy because he's he's a interesting character in his own right. It just you know compared to some of the other Kongs, uh, he doesn't shine like like he should. Yeah, and and they, it's, they're it's able to do that here. Yeah, because like in the main game, Mario is the character that you always have to have out, and he, you know, in typical Mario style, he's like the most neutral one. Like you know, he's just got your pretty basic blaster and uh, like. Uh, he just he just comes across as the like basic character from which all of the other characters are more interesting um and that role i'd almost say kind of transfers to rabid peach here where she kind of comes across as being maybe the most like neutral basic one and as i mentioned before dk's moves are really interesting he doesn't at all seem to be the most boring, safe character that just has the most basic moveset. Like, his movement is crazy, his attacks are weird and crazy and potentially risky. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So just because he was the titular hero of the game, they didn't make him the boring one. Yeah. It's a nice change of pace. And I guess maybe you get that because you need that contrast with Mario, where if it was a Mm -hmm. Donkey Kong game from the start, then he would be the Mario. I don't know. That's a theory. But anyway, thank you so much for the call, Pirate Kong. All right, let's go ahead and play our second and last one. Hey, Isle and guest, it is Jebaha here. And, well, we have finally reached it. You're finally talking about um, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, and I'm only an episode late. Um, I have not heard the episode going over the regular game in and of itself, um, which is great on its own. Um, But this is most importantly because of, you know, the K-Vine. This is the one I was looking most forward to because uh, it's probably my favorite. Tropical Freeze, from a gameplay standpoint, is a better game. Like, it's the better game. Bar none. But from a Fan perspective, I feel like Mario and Rabbids DK Adventure is probably my favorite piece of Donkey Kong media in a very, very long time because of those references within, like, the weapons. Like, you know, there's a weapon that's just straight up espresso, there's a weapon that's straight up uh, Winky, 
you know, it's referencing so many things and just calling back to so many things that are so important within the Donkey Kong franchise, and I never saw it coming. And I've been dying to hear you talk about it, and I'm really excited that you finally are. <laughs> I know you have your own schedules to worry about, but man, this is probably the episode I was most excited for, so... Looking forward to hearing it live if I'm able to. I really hope I am because I would love to be chatting while you guys are chatting. It's uh, going to be a good episode, so I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, have a fantastic evening. Looking forward to the episode. Thanks for the call, Jebaha. I hope the episode lived up to your expectations. Feel bad if it didn't. No pressure. No pressure. It's only four <laughs> years in the making. Entire presidential administration. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like that, that's the that's the interesting thing because you know Jebaha was comparing it to Tropical Freeze, which you know they were announced on the same day. At least the Switch port of Tropical Freeze was announced on the same day as this. Um, but. The only, only thing really linking them is that Tropical Freeze originally came out eight years ago. This game came out four years ago. And if what my sources were saying is true, then Donkey Kong Adventure was partially positioned as it was to be a stopgap for the Donkey Kong brand while development shifted behind the scenes from the studio that was developing Donkey Kong Switch to internal development at Nintendo. So that also means that in a roundabout way, Donkey Kong Adventure was the first new Donkey Kong game under, or at least partially under, the editorial oversight by Nintendo's new Donkey Kong team, by the new Donkey Kong brand managers. You know, which is interesting in hindsight, especially looking at what they reference and what they embrace and where they don't go. Although you could make an argument in either direction. Like you you could you could look at these tea leaves and see anything you wanted to see, or you could be a very c- cynic, you know, piece of shit and say, oh well, obviously. They uh, they didn't put Kremlins in this game, so that means Nintendo hates the Kremlins, and we're never going to see them again, minus K. Roll and Smash. Which you know, I I, I don't want to sit here and say what any of this means. Um, I I think personally, I would think it would mean that Nintendo wanted to hold off on anything Kremlin related until Donkey Kong next game or until Sakurai brought him back for Smash or, or whatever. But again, that's just all nonsense. It's, that's just me being a jackass. But, you know, stuff like the Animal Buddy references, I think, bodes well for the future. Um, for sure. And just the just the loving detail, the way they were able to take a Mario game and have to carve out this Donkey Kong real estate within it and make it feel so authentic for even the most jaded hardcore Donkey Kong fans. I think that's impressive and I think that bodes well for what Nintendo will push for Donkey Kong in the future. So uh 
So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic. If, if this is our first taste of what's to come, I think we have no reason to worry. Yeah. A little aside on there not being Kremlings in this. So, like, obviously when this was announced, um, I was hoping there'd be at least some references or something. And then as they kind of revealed more about it with gameplay showcases and stuff, I became less and less confident that there would be. But as I was playing it, I was still sort of, like, harboring a little hope that there would at least be a Claptrap weapon or something. And I was... A little disappointed that there wasn't, but you know, I, I I love Kremlings so much, and I'm used to being disappointed, so I just kind of <laughs> let it roll off my back, you know, like oh, I'm just used to it at this point. I didn't hold it against the game or anything, um, but I was I was thinking because just like a month or two months after this came out is when we got the K rule reveal, so it would have been so silly if there was like a rabid K rule or something, and that was the first we'd seen of him in like 10 years was some kind of weird rabid version. And then he just shows back up in the flesh it, so soon after. Like it, it really just took any pain away of there not being Kremlings in DK Adventure. And it would have taken away from that moment, that glorious day when K. Roll was revealed for Smash. I, I'm glad that Nintendo put the kibosh on say, K. Roll being the secret final boss in the Switch version of Tropical Freeze, you know, and there's nothing in this game. I'm I'm glad they they held off until it would have the maximum impact. Like, we had the K. Roll Street in, in Odyssey, and that was it. That was just a little, little hint that, you know, something was in the works. But, yeah, um, no complaints about how it all shook out. I do have a question, a a philosophical question for you. So mm-hmm. let's let's say this purported Donkey Kong game, supposedly in development at Nintendo, according to my sources and other people's sources. Suppose for whatever reason it doesn't make it out for the Switch. Maybe it turns out to be a launch title for the Switch U or whatever they call it. Uh, (laughs) would we then have to consider Donkey Kong Adventure to be the Switch's main Donkey Kong entry? I know that sounds ludicrous at face value because you're like, well, it would be Tropical Freeze. Well, no, Tropical Freeze is the Wii U's. And yes, it came out on the Switch, just like most Wii U games came out for the Switch. But I don't think I would argue that it would just be the Switch's main Donkey Kong game. I think if we're looking at the history of Donkey Kong, wouldn't it be Donkey Kong Adventure that is the Switch's Donkey Kong game? I mean, yeah, and unfortunately, it is a game that you can't just buy on its own. You have to buy it as yes, part of another yes. game. That, that, but and, <laughs> and, and it's a, it's a Mario game. Like it, it like we we mentioned before, it is a meaty Donkey Kong filling in Mario bread, and you have to bite through the yeah. bread to get to the Donkey Kong meat. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it it it's it's a it's something that DK Vine has never been faced with before. A full fledged Donkey Kong game housed in a Mario game. How do we how do we define that? How do we determine? like the core nature of what that is ultimately it doesn't really matter this is all just made up nonsense but you know i guess it matters to me it matters to some of our listeners so 
I don't know. I I would make the argument if it does come to this, if the next Donkey Kong game doesn't make it out until Switch's successor, uh, maybe we would say, yeah, this is it. This this is this is right up there with the Donkey Kong Country trilogy, with Donkey Kong sixty four, with Jungle Beat, with Returns, with Tropical Freeze. It's Donkey Kong Adventure for the Switch. I know it's not even a platformer, so that's weird. Yeah. But I think it would have to be, yeah. Yeah, because, like, I mean, the only real things it has against it are its short length by virtue of being DLC, right? It's not going to be like, you know, you can beat this in a weekend. It's not going to be something that you're really going to have to sit down with for a long time and work your way through because it's fairly short. Although it does have, like I said, a lot of bonus content. You'll get a lot of your money's worth. Um, from this whole package, but the the main story of it isn't that long. Um, And unfortunately, just again, by virtue of having a smaller scope as part of a larger thing, it doesn't get to really, like, there's only one actual Kong in it, you know? It's only DK. There's no Diddy or Dixie or anything like that. Just the essence of Cranky. As far as, yeah, the essence of Cranky. But as far as, like, quality goes, it is, it is... Definitely deserving of the title of a true Donkey Kong entry. It's for what you get. It's fantastic, and it has the right spirit. And 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 honestly, like yeah, just Grant Kirkhope alone, like that historical lineage, having having a vintage rare staffer kind of push it over the edge. I think gets it into full fledged Donkey Kong game territory. And that's not to diminish any of the other talents who worked on the game, uh, because they're all deserving of praise too. But you know, just just looking at it from a historical perspective, just like David Wise just granted Tropical Freeze that much more legitimacy in the eyes of, of some fans. I think Kirkhope does the same here. You know what's crazy is that um, in your announcement for this podcast, Davide Soliani actually responded to it and said that he loved working on this project and it was a childhood dream. Yeah. And it must be so crazy for him not only to have made a DK game, but to have made the DK game on like Nintendo's hottest console in forever and have it be just the DK game there for years and years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- through uh, a twist of fate because of the uh behind the scenes shifting of what happened at donkey kong which you know will all pay off in the long run and for the record i just i don't want to worry people when i when i speculated about this hypothetical i don't have any inside information that it's been pushed back to to the next system we're just always hearing rumors about you know the successor to the switch and uh you never know you know um I I still hope we're gonna get it out for the Switch proper Switch original whatever whatever. But um, you know if if push comes to shove, if we do have this circumstance where they decide to l- have it be the launch title for for the next console, then I think we could say yeah yeah Donkey Kong Adventure was it. Donkey Kong Adventure is on the same level as you know your jungle beats your your tropical freezes as just the the core entry of that generation i don't think there's any shame in that it's better than some franchises get i hate to be f-zero right now yeah star fox <laughs> even mm-hmm. but yeah it, it it's a cameo game 
at, at least from the outset, but it's more than a cameo game. Um, it, it, it's Donkey Kong renting space inside a Mario title. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I've made my peace with that. And that's cool in its own way. Yeah. Because it's DK, like, holding his own with Mario and, like, being on equal footing. And right. having his own adventure that is of equal, if not higher quality than the main game. Yeah, it's not like Donkey Kong just was made a tag-along character in a Mario game. Yeah. It's like, no, Donkey exactly. Kong deserves his own space, his own world, his own dimension to breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Donkey Kong dimension. Damn straight. All right, so for my closing thoughts, I was actually uh, doing a little research earlier on my initial reactions to things when I played this game. And I found a tweet that I made right after beating it on June 27th, 2018, which says, What I was expecting from the Mario plus Rabbids DLC was more humor. What I was not expecting was just how cute and sweet it was. The ending really melted my heart. And then I tagged some people that worked on it and I said thank you. And I got some responses. So uh, Christina Nava, who is a a writer on the game, and I think, uh, what does it say in her bio? Senior Associate Producer. Um, so she's really high up there and is responsible for a lot of the game's, uh, really clever writing. And I think like the lyrics of the Phantom song and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, she says, and it melts our hearts to know that we touched yours. There's nothing better than understanding that all the emotions we put in this DLC get transferred to those who play it. Thanks. And then the Ubisoft Milan account says, thank you. We're glad to hear that you love the DLC and your excitement is energy for us. And, uh, so it's just like. I just wanted to point out that, like, the people who make these games, like, I I don't know about every single person that works on the team, because those credits are very long, but, like, the people designing these games, um, this game in particular, they, they do care, and they have, like, a real respect for the source material that they're working with, and, like... I said earlier, Davide, this was like his childhood dream, not only to work with Mario, but to work with Donkey Kong, because as we mentioned last episode, he has explicitly said he was a fan of Rare's uh, games and Rare's N64 games in particular, which is why he wanted Grant Kirkhope to be his composer. So we have people that aren't just, you know, making a DK game because it's like it got forced on them. We're like, okay, I guess we got to work with this stupid gorilla now. It's like, no, they wanted to make a DK game. They love Donkey Kong like we love Donkey Kong. They wanted to do right by him and by his world. And I think that shows in every aspect of this DLC from its design and in the gameplay with how they translated DK and his movement and his power to this um, strategy game type style. And to all the references and just the general attention to detail and care put into everything. So that's really what I want for the future of the DK series. I don't know how it's going to shake out, whose hands it's going to end up in. But I just want it to be in the hands of people who care about it, who respect it. And that is why I love DK Adventure so much, because that's what it is. Like, it's a weird DK game because it's a Mario DLC and it's also (laughs) a strategy game. But it is made by people who love donkey kong and that i couldn't ask for anything more than that yeah that's all it really takes in the end imagine that (laughs) and you know i i have to i have to say this as we wrap up here i had some little hot mic comments 
at the very end of the last episode. But I hope that this episode finally puts to bed and proves once and for all that I don't hate Mario games. In fact, I can really love and embrace Mario games, especially when Donkey Kong takes over the narrative and the setting for multiple hours of gameplay, banishing Mario from his own franchise. So that, that that's all it really takes. I'm, I'm a simple man. This has been a File 2 production. Boanarang. 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 <laughs> Fuck you, Jimmy Buffett.